Hey guys, we're just getting warmed up here. Thanks for jumping in. I'll get the other uh, co-host. It'll be four or five of us tonight. A little bit of a different show, not focusing uh, specifically on Solana NFTs, but actually uh, talking about recruiting and hiring in the Web3 space. Something I'm very curious about. I don't know a ton about, but we've got uh, a handful of speakers that do. So it should be a, fun, a ton of fun. What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, good. Hello, hello. I'm good. Thanks How are you guys? hanging out late on a Tuesday night. Yeah, no problem. Particularly on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Nigel, you're up in New York or somewhere northeast, Bandit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kojo, where are you? I am in Austin, Texas, so okay. not, not quite as late as New York. Always uh, forget. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So <clears throat> you and I have talked a little bit about hitting Austin together because I'm in Dallas. I'm actually yeah. going to be in Austin next week, so I'll DM you. Yeah, I want to see if get a couple of guys together for coffee or something. That'd um, be great. There's a uh, always a big. Um, I think I mentioned this to you last time. A big uh, Bitcoin Dev meetup at Unchained Capital every third of Thursday. Oh, okay. I did not know that. So cool. I'll, I'll probably because I got a bunch of buddies that I'll probably go there. But you know, you, you run into a lot of just um, Bitcoin, you know, maxis, which is fine. Everybody's different. So I was messaging some of them that are pretty involved in the meetup uh, and putting it together. And I said, hey, I'm going to roll in there with like 10 or 20 just, you know, Solana NFT people. So be ready. They got kind of of pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I can't imagine they're very happy about that if they're still Bitcoin maxis at the point. (laughs) But I I definitely do want to put together a pack at some point and go like that is happening next Thursday night. So I'll be there. I may try to invite a couple of guys in Austin just to swing by. Then they go and have beers and barbecue after. So it's kind of a fun hangout. Yeah, I love it. Can't be barbecue. Will there be much Web3 at South by Southwest this year, do you think? Oh, yeah. Mm. Hacker House is going on at that time, too. 
That's great. I was just messaging with the guy that's been helping organize some of those. And uh, he's like, I'm like, when are you coming to Texas? He's like, South by Southwest. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'll try to swing by. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm going to do it. All right. So we're, we got, let me pull up in. So I'm not sure how big the the room will get tonight. We are recording it, so we can definitely blast it out to get the, the, the information out to people that may have interest in following up and listening. And the agenda of tonight, we're not going to be talking about projects specifically, although we have people that are involved with projects, and we'll share some of that. Uh, but we've got five awesome speakers that we're waiting to um, actually pull up here. A lot of them wants to come up and say hi. Hey, guys. Do you go by Sin? I do. Yeah, it's uh, short for Cynthia. Cynthia, Sin, good, uh, good evening. Thanks for, for jumping on. Thank you for having me. Um, I was I heard you guys talking earlier about Austin, and I live in San Antonio, so I feel like this is the Texas yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Let's go. So we have like the whole Texas. Conti- we got what Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. So we just need Houston, <laughs> and then we'll just conquer Texas. Nigel, you got to move to Houston, buddy. Come on. That sounds like it. <laughs> I, I've lived in Houston, so you know. I'm uh, oh, wow. I've oh, there, you there for three months. That that counts. Yeah. <laughs> was it a good time? Was it a good three months? Yeah, it was. It was bad. It wasn't bad. I I worked at a petrochemical plant, so it was pretty far from Web Three. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that that is what's big in Houston. So what year yeah, was it? Was in a place called Deer Park, which is not even Houston. Oh, yeah. It is where the petrochemical plants are. Yeah, my wife's family is in oil, and, and they're all still in Houston. So, I, yeah, I know exactly where that is. That's yeah. funny. Small world. This sweet smell of ammonia sweeping over the, the freeway. <laughs> Remember yeah. it all. Hey, Co, I, I, One I, thing you don't I, get I sent a lot you the invite to jump up here. Sorry, Co. Um, sorry, guys. Co, there should be co-host uh, option for you. There you go. Okay. Yo. Yeah, I'm West Coast. I don't know what happened. I just saw that too. I'm like, what? I was looking at it all day. I don't know if something crazy happened with Twitter or what the hell, but um, I don't know if it was set up that 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 way all day. It's showing tomorrow, but I, I didn't notice that till like ten minutes ago. I'm like, what? Didn't make any sense. But hello from the West Coast, all you Texas people. Yo yo. <laughs> hello hello from Texas. All right, guys, so we got the panel here. Uh, so what we're going to do is just talk about Web3, uh, recruiting, hiring, trying to find the, the gig, you know, upskilling. I think all of you have some pretty good insight in that. Uh, as the room grows, and if you all don't mind, please retweet the space. Love to get some more minds in here as well. People that want to learn, also people that want to share some perspective. Uh, the more we get in here, the better. We'll probably run, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour. Just kind of depends on um, uh, how well, how long the conversation goes, how deep we go. Uh, and super excited to, to kind of be kind of hosting this, co-hosting this with all uh, five of you. Um, and you all know a lot more about Web3 than I do. I'm just a guy uh, that does a Solana FT uh, show in the morning and at night throughout the week for fun uh, and got to know Co uh, over the past, I don't know, four to six months. Uh, so kind of become, a, I guess, a friend over Twitter. And she threw out the idea, like, we should do a show on, you know, Web3 recruiting. I'm like, done, let's do it. I don't know anything about it, but if you know it, uh, let's bring it, I'll bring you on, we'll bring some other folks on, let's have a good discussion. So, uh, kind of like a kitchen table, round table discussion. So what we'll do is do intros of the uh, the panelists. You guys just share maybe two or three minutes on uh, maybe a little bit of background on you, kind of your experience, where you're at today. And then we can kind of start digging into uh, topics around, you know, what does the recruiting look like today? 
how are how are you know small companies, large companies, NFT projects, you know, trying to to pull in talent, and then we'll dig into a little bit of the, you know, if you're an individual, like what are some of the avenues for you to upskill, uncover opportunities. Co, you you mentioned over DM just the ability of some, if you figure it out, like how to approach the right people to um, almost custom build the role that you want and get them to create the job and hire you for it. So we can talk about that as well. Sound fair? Sound good? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Uh, And if you all have questions, requests that might come on up here, this is about everybody. So if you've got questions, comments, if you've got a good perspective, a good piece of experience uh, that you went through recently, you want to share, love to have you up here as well. So let's go, we'll go Co, Corey, Nigel, Sin, and then Melty, just in that order. Uh, give us, you know, two or three minute intros on who you are, and then we'll go into the data. Thanks for jumping on, guys. Yeah, and thank you, everyone, for being here. So to kick things off, um, my name is Co. Um, I am, I head up ecosystem at Miston Labs, um, where we're kind of building um, infrastructure for the next generation of Web3 apps. Um, so like, but I also advise and um invest in a lot of gaming companies and a lot of them have moved into uh web free which has been really interesting to see over the last year um and then but you know previously been head of google play uh games um on the partnership side and then i've also kind of started and managed a few of my own businesses um a lot of them in the e-commerce space i'm happy to be here go thanks for jumping on uh let's roll over to corey yeah, hey guys, my name is Corey Johnson. Uh, most people call me Kojo. Uh, my background, I've been in game dev for a very long time. I grew up learning to read, watching my parents play Super Mario World on the SNES. I had the very fortunate opportunity to start programming in C when I was nine, um, but I didn't put two and two together until high school, and I realized that video games and programming were basically the same thing, and I've, I've been in game dev and software ever since. Um, I followed crypto more or less from the beginning with Bitcoin, but I, I didn't start holding or investing until 2013. Um, and I didn't start developing on it till last year. And what I'm doing right now is I'm working on Blockstars, which is the first management sim game on Solana. It's a music management sim. Uh, and we're not sure, but we think it's probably one of the first uh, management sim games on, on any blockchain. So taking the game dev side over to the crypto side and merging those two together. And yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, Kojo. Nigel. Hey, yeah. So Nigel Eichels here. Um, I've been a tech entrepreneur for about 15, 20 years, um, uh, all in consumer, a, a lot in uh, sports betting, uh, initially in the UK. And then about uh, 13 years ago, I started Fandil. Uh, so I was a co-founder of Fandil, CEO up until about four years ago. Uh, if you're in any of the 20 states are in now, I apologize for the amount of advertising you're probably seeing. Um, it's probably going to get worse. Um, I left about four years ago um, uh, to start a new company, which is uh, which is currently called Vault. It's a NFT platform focused on mainly music artists and college athletes. It's a fully native uh, NFT platform, so fully native on uh, iOS and Android, uh, where basically um, artists can actually create a vault and lock music and pictures and video within that, and, and it's gated using an NFT. Um, uh, two other projects, just I'll mention that I'm I've co-founded since then. One is Betdex, which is a sports betting protocol, uh, which is in development, and then a third one is Starstock, which is a NFT reminting platform. So working with projects to uh, 
you know, re- regain some of the buzz of the mint uh, through actually taking a bunch of their NFTs, reminting them, and having people come in and buy them again. It's and that and done through a live show. Okay, um, perfect. Happy to be here. Thanks, Nigel. Uh, who do we got next? Uh, Sin, over to you. Hi, 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 guys. My name is Ati. What's up? <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I am one third of a crypto family. Um, I met, actually, I met Ko Kim through my mom, crypto mom. And um, that by way of like our Gentry Media Production uh, media company. So we do a lot of marketing uh, for NFT projects and advising on NFT projects. I we also own Bundles Bets, which is a sports betting prediction platform on Ethereum and Binance. That's a lot of fun. I'm not huge into sports, but I love games, and I mean sports are games, really, right? And um, my sister Imani and I co-founded Moongate Guild, which has not launched yet, but that is a a guild that's a little bit different than other gaming guilds. We're not too concerned with actual games that are, are, that are art. Uh, sorry, that are out right now. We're a lot more um, into designing new games and exploring tokenomics, and um, we're also going to be working with BeatsDAO as their in-house gaming lab to produce new games in the space. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, right now I'm just. Um, helping projects gamify their marketing, helping with game design and um, consulting. So it's a little bit about me and I'm happy to be here. Grateful to have you, Sin. Thanks for coming up and spending time with us. Melty, over to you. Good to see you. Hey again. (laughs) How are you guys? Um, I'm Melty. I'm currently the creative director and co-founder of Jumbo Mambo. Uh, we're building a play and earn game and ecosystem here on Solana. Um, I come from a background of creative production, um, building experiences, building immersive user journeys. Uh, I worked re- uh, right before this, it was a music festival, also a gamified music festival, sci-fi themed, as everybody loves. Um, and yeah, before that, I was in um, creative production from uh, working on purchasing IP and film distribution between LA and Beijing. And then before that, I worked uh, organizing Comic-Con in Southeast Asia, especially Thailand. Um, yeah, really glad to be here um, in the canvas, which is Web3 space, especially the gaming space. Uh, so much to do, so many people to meet. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. All right, so that's the panel for today. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, some insight you want to share, feel free to request the mic. We'll bring you guys up here. I'm Moon Roving. I host the Lit Late Show. This is the Lit Late Show. We do this a couple of days a week, uh, 9 o'clock Central, uh, 2 to 3 uh, nights. And then I also host the Morning Mint Show. That's uh, Both of those are focused really around the Solana NFT uh, industry marketplace, bringing projects in and kind of digging deep into what uh, they're building, whether it's pre-mint, post-mint, et cetera. So, um, you know, and today we're all about Web3. And this is, uh, I'll kind of just be kind of co-hosting along with the, the five going through, just digging into recruiting, hiring, finding your job, all that stuff. So the first area I'd like to have us focus on and just feel free to jump in, guys, is the recruiting piece. 
Um, you know, IT recruiting has probably changed a lot over the last 10, 15, 20 years, especially over the last 10 years. I'd be curious as to, you know, what are you guys seeing today, you know, being part of these groups and bringing in talent? Uh, what are some of the strategies that are working that we should be aware of if we've got teams that we're trying to build uh, in this space, uh, which is Web3? Um, I guess I can start, right? So, um, so like, I guess like we'll see, I think what's interesting right now about, about, um, kind of like how I'm seeing like the general work, I think like where crypto initially began, or at least in blockchain, it was almost felt like it was everyone's side projects at one point. So like everyone wanted to build something cause they were very excited about, you know, building a project or getting up to speed or learning about it, but there was kind of like an ephemeral quality to it. So of course, like the type of people who may be attracted or at least like were initially building it, um, haven't really thought about building, I would say like very long standing, whether it's like businesses or even like products that can endure a test of time. And I think the biggest shift right now has been kind of like a change in attitude of like, okay, I'm really here to build rather than hack. So I think like with that motivation, it's interesting because I think it changes the way that people should think about hiring. I mean, I think like in the spirit of like, you know, decentralization and all that, I mean, people come together because there's a common interest and they're trying to contribute in a way to bring like a project to life. And I think that's like very exciting just from like kind of like an exploration and just for people like wanting to get involved in projects. But I think what's going to separate like, true builders right from like or at least who's here to build versus who's here as a hobby is going to show a lot i think especially now that like we're going to be seeing i mean i think we're kind of like in potentially a downward trending or maybe everyone talks about the potential bear right but i think this is what really separates like i think this is a challenge for hiring right now because like we're looking for builders whether or not you're an engineer or not and then so it's kind of like sometimes hard to like kind of discern whether people are here really to like build something that like lasts, like kind of like versus like, I'm just here because it's like a really cool tech or like, or I'm just here to make money, right? Which is like kind of like what a lot of these cycles I'm looking for, right? You already see that on Coinbase's reports on like active wallet addresses every cycle, always gigantic during big cycles. But I mean, it presents a big challenge for hiring, right? Like, I mean, we're trying to build something with impact, right? Especially, and then moving the technology forward. But that also means you need to find people that are like-minded like that. So, which I think that presents the biggest challenge right now, especially I think there's like more projects and companies within the crypto space that are trying to build things rather than hack. So, which, I mean, we've had strategies for that. And I'm generally like start very small and then kind of go from there. But I think like, I think that's a challenge for everyone right now. Um, just to piggyback on that, you're so right. Like there's so there's a copious amount of talent. Um, I mean, the Web three space literally pretty much yells to all the builders, and that's why they're all here right now. So I think personally, I can say that what I find now when I'm recruiting um, new team members is literally just passion, like their need, their desire to build on the space. Um, make it last uh and um also if they if i like them or not basically if i want to be working with this person i feel like those two are now like pretty much my criteria because there's there's so many talented builders and um experienced people are pioneers from their own industries here uh, it's a really cool space to see but yeah um i think it is still very challenging as well to navigate yeah, i'd say i'd say our experience um 
so two businesses, Betdex involved, both are built in Solana. Um, we've exclusively hired Web2 engineers um, as opposed to try and hire anyone with Web3 experience. Um, I think a large part of that is both of the products have got very heavy Web2 elements to it, which I think most, unless you're building a very, very deep protocol, I think most products, particularly consumer products, are going to have a big Web2 element. Um, we've also found that there's definitely a high degree of interest in Web3 uh, from engineers, mostly technical. You know, they're interested in this, a lot of the technical challenges and, and the opportunities there. Um, you know, they, they, they find the tokens, most people we've hired as they find tokens fascinating. Some of them are more interested in NFTs and, you know, uh, price appreciation. But almost universally, like they're, they're really interested in the technical challenges that are coming up. And I think also now, sort of the engineers I've been talking to, now see that the path to actually have realizable products that have real consumer benefits is much clearer than it was like sort of two or three years ago. I just wanted to add, um, I, I what I really like about Web3 is that no one has asked me for my LinkedIn or for like a resume ever to work with me. It's it's either like they know about me or, or you know, the things that I've done through word of mouth or they see my tweets and what I'm interested in and then they want to have a conversation and it's this really organic way of building businesses and, and building uh, DAOs and really like families a lot of the time like there's a it's, it's really human centered and, and I like that because I I'm a college dropout and statistically like I shouldn't be as successful as I am and I, I think in and maybe web two not having like an Ivy League would have I definitely would have had a harder time than I've had in this space um, so that's just that's another thing that I want to I, I want to share with the audience is that you kind of come in with a clean slate and your reputation is the most important, your work ethic, the way you talk to people that that leads, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you graduated from Harvard or not. Um, it's, it's just about what you can bring to the table, really, and the vision that you have. So I, I just I find that really refreshing about this space. Yeah, I um jumping ahead a bit in the notes I had here, but I, I think I would like a thousand X Watson said. And I think that the mantra I had written down here in my notes was like, show, don't tell is the mantra for this space. Um, so it's not your resume. It's not your LinkedIn, like Sin said. Um, surprisingly, for us, at least one of the biggest avenues for inbound so far for hiring that we've found has been the Solana job board. And I think that that ties into what Co and Melty were saying earlier about um the passion piece, but I think that in addition to the passion piece, there is um, related, but but not quite the same thing as drive. And I think the drive to learn is a huge um, component of what we look for as well. Um, you know, without the drive, and that's something we used to do for the last five years, but, but you've got to have that in order to keep up with the space here and, and to be able to perform well. So passion without drive won't get you there. Um, drive without passion is not great, but it will allow you to be effective. Um, the last thing I would, I would say that we've learned with hiring strategies is not just about hiring. Um, 
but also about firing. And this is a tough one to talk about. We don't like to talk about this at, at my company with my co-founder and the rest of our team. We especially don't like to talk about this. It's not in our culture as a team by nature um, to do this. But I think that the reality is that you need to have a little bit of a willingness to both hire and fire quickly in this space um, because the space moves too fast um, for you as a team to not be willing to keep up. And I think that, you know, um, Melty mentioned earlier, like, yeah, do I like to work with them is a big part of it. And, you know, there's, do you like to work with them? There's, do they have the passion? Do they have the drive? Um, you can't necessarily spend a month in a hiring pipeline plus however long it took like a recruiter in the old style to find that person in the first place. Like you, you don't have that time. So you need to be able to take some, to be willing to take some risk, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would actually kind of disagree with that. Um, I agree with the higher fast or I agree with the fire fast mentality, right? I think there's a lot more damage to that could be done, like, especially in the long term, if something doesn't work out and letting it sit versus just like, you know, being very transparent about it. But I think there's something to be said about hiring fast because I think more there is more risk to hiring the wrong person, especially if you go to early versus just delaying that hiring. And I say this because it is the difference between people who are here to build versus people who are here to hack. It's like it's really hard to discern that, I think, in the beginning, especially in just one interview call. So like because there has to be a lot of deal. I mean, I'm doing a lot more reference checks on people now than like I ever had in previous like, I like whether it's like side channeling or back channeling, because like, I want to know, because when you're interviewing someone or you're talking to someone about a potential role, like you're only seeing their perspective. And it, oftentimes, like I find it better to get a more complete perspective perspective on like how they've kind of like interacted or like what the other counterparty is, because it takes two. I mean, like I'd say it takes two to tango, right? To some oh, extent, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So well, I definitely am more of the higher slow mentality, but definitely <laughs> I agree on the fire fast. So Well, and, and I think this is a great point, and I'm glad you, you pushed back on it because it is also relative. Fast and slow mm -hmm. are inherently relative terms. And so I, I should caveat that, you know, um, our company pivoted into Web3 last June um, with, with Solana. Um, we would take easily one to two months worth of process to hire before. And so mm -hmm. for me to say hire fast is to say like, hey, let's do four interviews instead of eight. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's let's not get the whole team together to vote on it. Um, mm -hmm. Let's have the hiring manager make a decision. But I, I completely agree with you that if you're like yellow hiring people that aren't doxxed after one conversation. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that, that there's a lot of risk to that for sure. I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the job board is one place you're finding some talent, you know, and, and I guess relationships and, and backdoor uh, conversations uh, co, you know, what are some of the ways that you're, you're uncovering, you know, the talent out there? Uh, what are some strategies that are, that are working currently? Um, well, I mean, I always say like your community that you've built. I mean, the reason why you build communities, whether it's through social media or discord and all that is those are your truest, those people and users are the ones that um, are, you know, believe in your vision that you set out to begin with. So oftentimes they're almost like the greatest source of leads um, because, I mean, they just, I mean, it's kind of like you want, as I said, we're here to build, right? So then because of that, you really got to look for people, um, especially at high caliber ones that are driven by the vision for build and less so about like the potential like long-term value. I mean, there's, I mean, we're in crypto, right? I mean, there's a reason why everyone's in here, of course. I'm not going to 
say I don't care about money because that's not, you know, that's not true. So, but I definitely do say like, but there's plenty of money that's out there. Right. And so like, and I think there's a lot of like capital that's being flown in because it may disrupt financial markets to some extent. So like, I think like, I think it's definitely more about like, you know, kind of first a, how do you help? How do you help like in that, in kind of like your top of funnel, right? Like how do you help your applicants kind of self-select themselves on being interested in a role and then from there, it's kind of like watching the actions or interactions, right? Because I, I think especially if you're trying to hire community managers, the best source is always going to be from organically from people who select themselves for one extent. So I think that's like one area. But I think a lot of it is, I mean, there's not really that much change from old fashioned recruiting, right? You're going to be asking within your network, you're looking for a specific skill set. And I think in the beginning, it's like, especially like those that are doing more business oriented like marketing or like or pr or like kind of like community management or building like a lot of the skill sets you're looking for are creative problem solvers and those tend to be and you can't really see that from like a resume so like i think oftentimes like even during my interviews right i would go through like you're kind of just interviewing for like what their kind of personality is like right like it's kind of like okay how do you react in difficult situations right because more often than not things are never going to work out in a startup right like priorities change all the time, ne things never work out the way you expect. And a lot of like, you know, a lot of like personalities are, are going to clash a lot, right? Just because of the stakes that are involved. So like, I think I look a lot for like how people react to high stress situations or like even um, when there's a lot of stakes involved. And then the more they can talk about those experiences and help me believe, be like, all right, I think you'll be there in the trenches, right? Like, I care less about what people's achievements are. I care more about, like, how do you react when things go wrong, right? And how many times have you gone through that? Because that's where you show true grit, I think. So I, 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 so maybe I'm the one pushing back now. I, I, I actually think achievements do matter as much or more than, like, mm -hmm. like I, I completely buy that your reaction under stress matters. But, yeah. uh, you know, our, our approach to interviewing and hiring is um, what Google pioneered originally back in the day. I think they deviated mm -hmm. from it now, but it's called performance-based interviewing. And it's all about a series of questions on different um, aspects of your personality and your experience. But every question is like, tell me about a time when you dot, dot, dot. And I think you were getting at that too, where it's like, tell me about an experience, tell me about here. Yeah. And some of that is about sussing out stress, but a lot of it, and I will also caveat because you, you called this out too. I think it does differ with community, especially, and biz dev, especially, where it's more personality-based. But coming at it as a CTO, when it comes to an engineer, I care a lot about your achievements. Like your personality is, yeah. I, I and I guess this, like, but it's I secondary. Would say, like, and it's like, yeah, a lot of it would depend on role, right? Like, I mean, the reason why I say achievements are kind of, kind of false to begin with, is kind of like, you should not always look at history as a predictor of future success because you want to understand what the context of like their actions were in that time. Right. And like, I definitely think when I think about crypto, right. And like all that, like no one's figured out what's like, what's going to work or figure out the formula for success or building. Right. So in some sense, like I need to see like history of like, all right, when things are really chaotic, right. And there's really nothing set up. Right. Do I believe that you have the kind of create, like, you know, as I come back to creative problem solving ability, do you have the ability to like figure it out? Right. So, I mean, of course on engineering, there's a lot more, I think black and white you can test for like clearly, if you're going to hire a Rust developer, you definitely don't want to hire someone that doesn't know how to do Rust, right? Like, it's kind of like a thing with that, right? Or has can, like, do specific things that you're looking for. Like, there's definitely, I think, a lot more 
black and white things that you can be looking for, but I think there's some decision-making. I mean, I, I would imagine like as an engineer, you're making decisions on like how you're going to be build a product and prior, prioritizing. Right. And I feel like when you're in a startup scenario compared to like a large company at Google, cause I was at Google. Right. So is that when you're in a startup scenario, right. It's really about your ability to ruthlessly prioritize. So, and I think at a larger company, you don't see that a lot. So, because they don't have the need to ruthlessly prioritize. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, like one of, one of the things you're sort of hitting on here is, you know, like selecting. How do you like select somebody who's really good versus somebody who's not or somebody who interviews well? Um, I think there's more fundamental thing. And I've repeatedly seen this of hiring as people are like, there's sort of two approaches to hiring. One is fast and the other is slow. Um, mm -hmm. And the slow way actually is a thousand times better, but it's slow. And when I talk about slow hiring, I think about how through your career you build a network of people that you know are great and you love working with and it means that whenever you're filling roles like you can actually tap that network and just to give you an example and like this might sound easy for me because I have sort of a 15 20 year career but um I've sort of throughout my career I've sort of consciously tried to build a network of people I really like working with mm -hmm. um and so when we started Betdex we had three co-founders, uh, both of which I've worked with before quite extensively. And we put together an engineering team of 15 people in a month and a half, two months. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all like, you know, grade one. And, you know, there are people we didn't even have to interview because we know them. Um, but I think the reason like, that wasn't just automatic. That was because, you know, I and, and my co-founders consciously being, you know, spend our time when we were doing our development career of like kind of working out who we love working with, who we'd want to work with again, staying in touch when they sort of move on to different roles so that, you know, you get to work together. In fact, today um, uh, I had a customer service manager um, at one of my uh, companies uh, fantastic with the company pivoted in another direction. And immediately I reached out to him and said, like, I'm going to need you. <laughs> and a week later, another company that I, I just joined the board of, uh, he's now joined to be their head of customer service. So I think that's something like selection is obviously really important when you're starting out your career. You're having to like, you know, make that decision if you don't know. But, you know, it's, it's as important as actually building that network of people you really love working with mm -hmm. um, and being really conscious about building that network. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I do give, like, I think the Web3 community, I think it's almost a lot, 100x easier to build that network, mm -hmm. um, which, like, I found really interesting compared to, like, let's see me working in the gaming industry or even general consumer tech, right? So, um, because before, like, you kind of had to be in Silicon Valley to, like, you know, be in the, I guess, now Web 2.0 scene, right? Um, to build that network and connections. And what I found, refreshing about web three is there like less of a need for that it's almost like an innate already default understanding that yeah like you could build out that network fairly quickly i mean it's a lot easier right to do that on twitter or on like any social and ironically all web two social media apps but i definitely do find it easier to like build out that like network um um and like how you want to like you know build out but i think like what's been i think it's been a challenge for everyone is figuring and like when you work with something that's so open, like social media or not as almost like self-selective is that you kind of have to quickly learn like how to like kind of categorize or maybe figure out like who are the um, accounts of the people that are worth like, you know, investing the time in, right? Like I feel very fortunate to run into like 
Moonroving back like in a few months ago, right? When I was starting to talk a lot about the game space, right? And so, and then working with a lot of these things, but it definitely is, I think, a lot of work, right? <laughs> Not saying it's easy. It's great that it's easy, but at the same time, the problem when you have lower barriers is you get a lot more spam messages in your Twitter DMs, right? And so, which I think can be often a challenge. So, yeah, th that's true. Like, it certainly, it depends on the role, though. Like, if I'm looking yeah. for a community manager, social media manager, I think those connections are great. For engineering roles, like, I, you know, I, I nearly have a bias to engineers that are not on Twitter. Um, yeah. uh, like, That's personally, fair. I find Twitter yeah. enormously distracting. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's kind of part of my job. Um, but, yeah, so it really depends, you know, very much depends on the role. Mm -hmm. Another question I have for you guys is, you know, what are some companies doing to attract talent? Are there things happening now differently than they were three, four or five years ago? Maybe COVID has something to do with that. I'd be curious as to are there certain techniques you're seeing that are relevant to uh, pulling in talent in Web3? Uh, certain carrots that, that are working that, you know, you would like to mention? Yeah, I think uh, like, go ahead, sorry. The, the only thing I'd say is like, I think I'm genuinely seeing less gimmicks, like less bullshit, like, um, you know, unlimited holidays that we know you're never going to take. Um, uh, so I, that's a really positive thing. Like, you know, sort of being completely flexible about work from home and, and understanding that we're going to make it work for you. Um, I'm definitely seeing a lot more and, and actually taking culture more seriously instead of like the artifacts of what they think a good culture is. So like, you know, the ping pong table is not going to fool anybody anymore. The, you know, the, you know, the endless sweet drawer, it's not fooling anybody anymore. So that's kind of the good trend I've seen. Um, and I think even like bigger companies I'm seeing, like, and, and a lot of them are bleeding talent and what they're losing talent to is more web three or web three ethos companies that are more like, you know, we really care about community. We care about culture. And we actually care about delivering the things that we know that, you know, talented people want. Um, so that's that's kind of the tra a trend I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, as I like mentioned, it's like kind of like this focus shift from like it's being ha crypto being hacky versus now it's about building. I think now we're kind of attracting a broader range of talent. Like, I mean, I've always said like Web3, I mean, like all of these Web3 projects, your true competitor isn't necessarily with each other, right? It's with the Web2 world. So I mean, so we all got to be in it together to some extent and figure out how to ways to progress like together, right? Because we're still super early. Like we're not even hitting Napster phase of like, you know, like notoriety for like tech yet. So a lot of people are like, oh, so late. I was like, no, 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 no. We're still like, we didn't even hit the Napster stage of like the music distribution over tech yet. It's okay. We're still pretty early, right? So, um, so like, I think like the biggest challenge I see is that like, I mean, there was a report from Electric Capital saying we have like, what, 20K Web3 developers? I think that's so paltry small. Like, like we should be going for how do we get like a million, 10 million developers onto like, you know, Web3, right? Like, we shouldn't be celebrating that we have like 10K active like developers, right? I mean, they said 30K total or something and 10K that are active or contributed. That's like so paltry. Like, it's so small. Like, we have to figure out it's like why that is, right? Like, and it's like interesting how like you're like when people recruit, they're only looking for people in Web3 experience. I was like, this industry is so young. Like, why would I look restrict myself to like Web3, right? So I think in a lot of respect, it's kind of like, it's a retro. I mean, the reason why I like bear markets, especially is like, I think it gives everyone 
a time to reflect, right? On like, well, what has been some of the limiters, right? And what has really been trolling all this back? And I think that one of the biggest challenges I see, which is also a great opportunity, is how do we bring more Web2 developers into this space, right? How do we get right. them on board and give them the tools and like things they need to like build really cool experiences, right? We just need more talent. So it's I, like- I, I think that, you know, that that's a really good point though, because it brings up, you know, there's two things I think the best companies and projects are doing to attract talent. The first is already been mentioned, Nigel mentioned as well, you know, do away with a lot of the old rules that don't actually have like a first principles reason anymore mm-hmm. that stands scrutiny in 2022. And remote's the obvious example. There are others, education, pedigree versus demonstrated ability came up. Uh, working hours is another one. Compensation and equity structures. You see vesting schedules be a lot more accelerated now. But, but the one that's not as obvious is... Um, being taken seriously as an ecosystem, you know, <laughs> we just minted on Magic Eden this last weekend, and we were the second to last mint that they might ever do because it became 20% ratio of rug pulls in the last four weeks because that's what happened, you know, when you scale up too fast. And and that's like the Twitter fail whale used to happen. Twitter wasn't taken seriously either by a lot of people when the Twitter fail whale was happening every week. I don't know if you guys were here for that, if you remember that, mm-hmm. but like it was truly every day. And, and it wasn't taken seriously yet. Now Twitter defines politics for the world. And so I think part of attracting talent is companies and projects that are not just talking about like the lingo of Web3 and the hype of Web3 and like, you know, when mint and like all this terminology, but they're, they're talking to people who, like you said, are, are Web2 folks and they're presenting a legitimate business plan. <laughs> um, like Nigel said, they're not saying, hey, where's your Twitter account? They're saying like, Show me your GitHub um, and not your GitHub of like Rust and like, oh, 10 years of Rust experience when Rust hasn't existed for 10 years. They're like, no, show me what you did in an old ecosystem. That's okay. Show me you're smart and and come learn this. I believe you can learn. You don't have to know it already. But like also we want your opinions on what's wrong with Web3 too. Mm-hmm. And we are interested in hearing that. Like I think what's been going on with Solana Pay this last week is one of the most exciting things in the ecosystem right now because it's helping the ecosystem be taken seriously by a group that doesn't take it seriously right now. And that's huge for attracting this talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a can't wait for crypto to grow up right now, so. Hey, hey Zyko, um, if that's how you pronounce it, you, um, he's actually on a plane, guys, so. Chico? Is it Chico? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, we, yeah, he yeah, is on a plane, so he's 30,000 feet up. Go ahead. <laughs> What's up, Chico? He muted himself. I think he he rugged, maybe. Maybe there's turbulence on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh I, I don't know you guys' experience with um with uh DAOs on Solana. Like I know Solana Labs is doing really great for recruiting devs. I was at Hacker House in Miami in December. Such a great environment. Um, it was a lot of fun. It made me wonder if there's any coordination around DAO tooling. Okay, Chico's back, but like, <laughs> sorry, Chico. I was asking a question while you were while you were muted. Um, yeah, like I, I'm interested on that too because I feel DAOs are really helping Ethereum um, kind of become a go-to place for work and for governance and for coordination and i do feel like that is 
um, maybe missing, maybe not. I, I kind of want to hear you guys' uh, perspective on the Dow landscape on Solana. Like I'd say what one thing in general I think is true across uh, Ethereum and Solana DAOs is DAO tooling today is pretty terrible. <laughs> um, like Discord is a fantastic communications platform, but it's a horrible uh, coordination platform. Um, like a Monkey DAO, which I think is, I would argue is one of the best organized DAOs on Solana, still has, you know, we have uh, Google Sheets and then we have structure of committees and the, the organizers know particularly does an amazing job, but the tools don't really support it. Um, and that's a huge problem. So if you join a DAO, and I think of any DAOs you've joined recently, think about the onboarding experience. Like, how did you find out who was who? How did you find out what the DAO did? How did you find how to contribute? Um, you probably will find that most DAOs have like a 80 to 90% failure rate of people joining. Um, and so I think they're all problematic. Um, I think within Solana, personally, I'm in Monkey DAO. I think it's really great. I'm not sure if there's other ones that are, are, are doing uh, what the, where they're at. Um, if anybody else has good perspective, I'd love to hear it. Um, so, like, I think, like, I'm actually, well, I'm actually part of the Monkey Now too, but I'm not, like, an active contributor, but I know, like, um, or at least, like, I kind of participate as, like, kind of mostly as a connector, but, like, the, but I think, like, I do agree DAO tooling sucks, and while I do find DAOs exciting, I also, like, it's kind of, like, Brave New World and how people make decisions, because as we all know, the reason why true democ true populist democracy was never going to be the way versus let's say more of a republic is that sometimes you don't want like the average of everyone you don't want everyone to put their input i mean like i don't know how to like really best say it because you know there's, i think there's something to be said about like you know not getting everyone's input shouldn't be equal depending on some issues because i think it highly does vary by like um the individual's familiarity or in the space like while i'm excited about governance i also do think like there's a lot of risks to like distributed governance that I think people are now finding out now, like what happens when you don't hit quorum or like what happens when people leave or like what happens when you're, you're having people who has, should have no reason to give legal advice, trying to give legal advice. Right. Like, I mean, I know those are extreme cases, but it's like, but I, I think, I think it's kind of great that we're experimenting on like, how can we have like the council of a few or maybe to certain limited set of people to be making decisions on behalf of a group of many. But I think like people are probably going to have trouble figuring out like um, what is appropriate, I would say actions or activities that we should expect for each of the members. Cause I think for a lot of these DAOs, right? Like they usually just came up from an NFT collection. Everyone was able to mint that NFT, right? And those people may or may be, I mean, I think the motivations for minting or being, you know, choosing to like participate hasn't necessarily been for, let's say, specific reasons that a DAO may evolve, right? Like a DAO may evolve to be like, you know, now they may be working in an area where really the original minter's intention was to just have fun, right? And they may not want to participate. So I think there's going to be a lot of challenges for a lot of these DAO as kind of cool it is to be part of a cool kids club. There almost needs to be more utility beyond it. And I think the tools to enable that utility is like non-existent. And then I also think like what that utility should be and how much like what's the expectation for member participation is also yet to be fine because no one knows. So um, and I kind of find it hard to believe that people can actively be meaningful in like more than one or two DAOs is my opinion on that. So 
That's such a good point, Co. I, also, another thing uh, about the whole DAO thing that I don't love is this idea of like no leadership. And I'm like, how are you going to scale a business? Because DAOs are businesses at the end of the day. How are you going to scale a business without leadership? Um, I actually started a DAO and I had to leave because I had such fundamentally different views on on that. Like the belief was that it's a DAO. Everyone's view is equal. Everyone, you know, even though they didn't found it, everyone has equal ownership of it. And I, I get it, but I, I don't agree with it. And I don't think it's sustainable at all. So um, in like thinking about like web three and decentralization as like a new way to work and a new way to like, um, you know, hire and recruit. A lot of people immediately go to DAOs, but I, I'm glad that you offered the challenges to that because that's not always the right thing, especially right now. Like I, I really don't think DAOs without leadership are like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think great at all. <laughs> like, I mean, I do like, be- yeah, it's kind of interesting. Cause like I've run into a few DAOs, especially kind of like, you know, there's a couple of DAOs that are focused on specific functions, right? Like they're kind of meant to, Hey, like attract our talent, you know, get access to like, I've had a lot of DAOs that be like, get access to top 1% of talent and function X. Right. But in exchange, they're like, I'm going to take like 5% of your token supply or something outrageous. So like, it's kind of like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, you're working with like startups, but it's almost like no better than if you took VC money. <laughs> like, and so, um, so like, I think like there's some really interesting things. I do think like some DAOs can be incredibly valuable for like business development or like getting, I mean, like, I think what YGG and some of these more like, um, I would call like player guilds are really interesting because like, I mean, that's already kind of there is almost like already an accepted behavior or framework on how guilds should operate. So it's kind of cool that you can attach a economic framework to it. So, but they already had like, you know, a set of rules that people kind of abide by. They, you know, what the governance structure for those types of orgs should be. Um, so, um, but like, and then it could be great for like user acquisition purposes. Cause you know, like, I mean, there's like a big problem with a lot of these games right now is that they can't get enough a user base to make a sustainable economy. So I think it's really interesting from that. But I think for a lot of these like work related DAOs, right? Like, I think like, for in the spirit of like, trying to increase accessibility, I think like, and I think this goes back to the whole talent issue right now is that I don't six months ago, there may be like, I can't find enough smart contract developers that are good enough that I can trust, right? Most of them are probably gonna rug you. And now it's like, I can't find good enough people that I would trust for legal accounting, community management. I mean, a lot of it's like business operations, right? And so, um, because there's so many people want to build, but like kind of like that back office side or what I call the distribution side hasn't caught up yet. So, um, and I think some groups are unfortunately taking advantage of that. So, which is fine because it's a demand and supply problem to some extent, right? Like there's high demand, not enough supply. So I think if you're top of your game, yes, you should adjust for it, right? So, but I do think it's like, it's interesting, like, especially for DAOs themselves, right? Like, what are the ones that are going to come out and kind of like be have like the greatest utility? So because I don't know if like 99% of them will exist like a year from now. So um. yeah, I think hey, we'll jump in really quick and just say oh, we've got a couple of folks come up with questions. And so yeah, if you've and they may have gotten rugged, I'm not sure what happened. But yeah, if you're if you're hanging listening, and you want to come up and ask something, or you've got some perspective, feel free to request the mic. We'll bring you guys up here. That's what this is about. But uh, keep going, Nigel. Yeah, just one very short thing to think about DAOs is, you know, there are very good models for DAOs. Um, 
and how DAO governance is going to evolve. Um, rarely is it a completely democratic, everyone has the same vote and the same voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a very good example is Linux, um, which is phenomenally successful, but, you know, had a very, very strong leader from, de- you know, from very early on who was, you know, core contributor, obviously Linus Torvald. Um, I actually think it's going to be very similar with DAOs is that they will have a very early on, they'll have a very strong leader or leadership group um, that over time, but who still can bring in a broader community. Um, and then over time, it can expand outwards uh, to maybe devolving more of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Early on, like DAOs is a startup um, and the idea of running a startup through democracy to me is like laughable. Like even run the startup through, you know, a more kind of, hierarchy like and then it's through peers a lot of you know or mm-hmm. it's tough um you know trying to do it as like this yeah. sort of all voting mechanism i, I just think it's going to meet meet yeah. with failure yeah and i think it also comes down to community right it's like the way you build community I had a recruiting question whoever thinks uh, they might be able to answer it let's say that hypothetically speaking you were trying to derug a pretty large project where would you get where would you start in, in terms of uh pursuing engineering talent I don't know. Once you're derug, it's really hard to overcome it. But <laughs> I think like it's like yeah, it's kind of like I don't know if there's any such thing as derugging. More like start over, but because um, there's just like well, but that's but that's a good starting point for yeah. where you would find talent. And and I think right. I, oh, I think you were talking about this at, at the beginning is um so and I actually <laughs> I, I will also add that how strongly I feel about this is that I actually don't broadly agree that that passion and belief is usually the number one thing. I'm not a big fan of startups where it's like, oh, we should find believers who think we're going to change the world. But an exception to that is specifically if you're trying to derug a very specific mint and NFT, that is one of the few cases where I personally think that finding true believers is a good mm-hmm. starting point because, mm-hmm. you know, like you should go to your community and say, hey, is anyone here an, an engineer interested in Web3? Because like, as Co said, you, you've already been rugged. Like it's not, it's not a derug. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's a rug. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, <laughs> I think that's a good time to go to your community and say, hey, if anybody is already here and interested, like you've you've got first dibs, right? Mm-hmm. And I think to some extent that's what like Fame Lady Squad is doing, right? Do you remember the whole like drama surrounding oh like the people behind Fame Lady well, Squad? Well, we, we have no shortage women, of right? people that are willing to right. put in the time. I, yeah. I, I think one of the gaps that we have is is people who are who are already able to to do the work on the technical side. Mm-hmm. So. So you're saying you don't have, yeah, we have an incredible tech work or you don't have people who can lead the tech work? Uh, lead, lead the tech work. Yeah. We, we, we have, we have one person from the legacy team and then, and then a few people that can probably help out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think this might also be like, it's, I think the first thing is who's here already and interested, but then I think Nigel's point earlier and, and I'm going to acknowledge or maybe add to Nigel's point that like, it is worth saying that not everybody has a network yet. <laughs> so, and I'm just going to own that this is not a full answer in the sense that like, if you don't have a network, I'm, I'm telling you something not useful to you. But I think Nigel's point was spot on, which is, you know, part of the reason you go to your community and say who here's interested is then, you know, okay, I'm interested, but I'm not good enough yet. Okay. Well, like who, who are people you've worked with in the past who were above you? Like, who do you know in your network who might be interested in coming to lead, but, but they don't know about the DRUG project yet. Right. So, so I do think, your first step is who's already here. And then your second step is who do they know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my point of I network mean, is, um, and I know that's true. And you started, see who's career, been... you have very little network, but my, my point was more like, make sure you're building the network. Cause it doesn't just happen. Um, it's not something that you, 
you know what i what you don't want to have in five years time is still not have that network mm-hmm. and let's keep yeah i totally moving. agree i i think oh go ahead sorry go ahead co there's the comment no, i'm just we'll... saying like i think building my network continuously and i think like the times that i do regret it was when i was like you know should have spent that time building my network continuously as much as like my entire career was about building networks which is like oddly what it is but i definitely say like yeah like i think having that i'm always so grateful to the network that i've built and i've spent all that time on like you know building relations because you never know when you're gonna like need it right so um and it's just like nice to be able to rely on that hey genuine thanks for for coming up was that somewhat helpful Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Uh, Otter, you are next. Have you got a, a comment or question for the panel? Thanks for coming up, brother. Oh, no problem. I was going to just mention about DAOs because um, I started Newt DAO and I ended up sort of running it like a monarchy because of that exact same problem. You can't have everything as democracy when you're trying to build the organization. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone already mentioned what I was going to mention. So you can transition towards that. But I think what we need to keep in mind in general is does your organization have a use case for that kind of democratic framework? Because, for example, maybe a workers union, a DAO would be perfect. But maybe Mm -hmm. for other projects, we might want to think of a different model that could work on chain. I think that's a great point, because I do think that a DAO is fundamentally a decentralized autonomous organization. And to the extent that we have to operate it, like I'm a big fan of the Linux model and Linus and the, the benevolent dictator for life but it's fundamentally centralized, like let's call a spade mm-hmm. a spade. So, you know, I, I think it's a really good point, Otter, that like there are cases where decentralization is useful and then there are cases where maybe centralization is better. And, and this is actually a core thing in the Solana ecosystem too. You see a lot of ETH and, and Bitcoin maxis hating on Solana because it's quote unquote more centralized and it is relative, but like, yeah, like where do we draw that line? And I, I think it's worth, I don't think we have to hide from, this i don't think we have to force everything to be a DAO. it's okay if some things are definitely agree that not everything has to be a DAO. i think um some of my favorite DAOs are the ones that are like um outwardly saying that they are semi-decentralized and um when when they do that it's very clear when that they are like just basically the leaders of the DAO or the founders of the DAO are acting as like guides and they're just providing as much information as possible so that their um, DAO members can make the best judgment and I think I like those ones because I just feel like they're so self-aware um, they know that they are semi-decentralized and they, they know that it's just not going to be like okay everybody um, you know just chaos I mean, yeah, groups form because they there's a specific there's a common shared belief, right? But you need to you need it someone needs to continuously like share that belief, right? Or share that vision. Yeah. And it's always gonna be a small group of people, right? I mean, people are people, like you can't have bunch it's always better to have one person and you just have to start and then eventually like enough repetition, then you can eventually grow it and like finding, you know, you have a few set rules and then that could be governed by a small council. And then eventually you could go to full decentralization but i don't know if that's like a reality anytime soon unless we have better tooling but as you said not everything needs decentralization right like there's certain things that you definitely don't want everyone to have their input on right so (laughs) yeah Yeah, as i said don't take legal advice from public (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this is like a really interesting point that you guys like brought up um because i'm actually in the middle of this like 
you know, this like passage or this journey in building Pulsar.ai right now. Um, so like Moon Roving, thank you so much for inviting me to this because I'm like actively hiring in the Web3 space right now. And it's been so interesting kind of like juggling the old mentality of like what we do in Web2 generally and we do in Web3. So I don't know if like it's helpful for anybody out there, but you know, what Ko was saying about, you know, you need core people who have a core belief to get things started. And sometimes that's not necessarily the best time to have, you know, a completely decentralized um, autonomous organization. Like you kind of need to be like very clear about what the priorities are, um, where you want to put resources and where you want to put everybody's time to. Um, and I think like one thing that people are kind of realizing now is that, you know, DAOs are amazing, but it's almost this like, like this, like a zero to YOLO effect, right? Where zero is that there's pretty much no DAO. Um, there's like a couple of people that are like, hey, we're really good friends. We really believe in this stuff and we're all really talented. So let's build together. And then there's like the, okay, um, now we've reached a community of like 10,000 plus people. They all own tokens to this. How do we even manage like, you know, their voice and what they want to contribute to um, in their various different skill sets towards this main like mission without actually derailing everything. And this also comes down to like whole issue where, you know, if, if in, in the real world, so like outside of crypto, it's usually one person has one vote. But in existing DAO structures at the moment, what's happening is that it's whoever has the most tokens has the most say. And that isn't actually like a very democratic system. So not only do we have to manage the fact that there's like 10,000 plus voices with varying different skills and understanding of the entire organism, but we also have to understand a way and how we can direct their votes in a way that makes sense, right? Um, and it's actually like power to the people and the community, not just to, you know, the token holders at the beginning. And there's a few ways around this. Like, I don't know if people want to like get into the details, but essentially there's like, you know, theoretical concepts that I think are going to be really interesting in the DAO space that include something called quadratic voting, where, you know, it's not so much about how much you own in terms of like the token value, it's how much you actually do. And that has, mm -hmm. you know, exact say to what you're actually doing. And like, you can actually vote directly to something. So if I purely care about like a certain button being a certain way, then I'm going to allocate all my time and all my votes towards that button staying like that, because I really don't give a fuck about, you know, the Twitter spaces that somebody else is doing. I just like trust that they're going to do what they're going to do. So yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's like an interesting because this problem actually showed up even in startup world with equity fundraising, right? Like yeah. before, like the company owns most of the shares, right? And so the business that the company they're building, they gave basically obviously make those decisions and it is their business, right? So I think Chico. when you... Oops, Sorry, Chico. Chico, trying back? To, Did, yeah. Yeah. Chico, you want to say something while you're flying really quick? What's up, brother? All right, it's always so hit or going. miss with like plain Wi-Fi. It's like they let you go or they don't let you like do the thing. So, um, the but yeah, I think like when you do equity fundraise as a founder, right, you're giving up more and more of your company, right, and it's getting diluted. Now your board is made up of investors that are not going to know the every nuance or particularity of your business because they're not spending like a hundred hours a week, right? You know, focus on yeah. building your business, right? So. I think like now it's like almost worse. It's like, instead of adding more investors, it's like now you're adding like 10,000 people to your board, right? And so how do you manage that? And it's like, 
Yeah, I, I would say that I'd prefer the community than like a board of investors, because uh-huh. what typically happens is that you have like, I mean, you, you know what it's like, Co, but like you yeah. have the investors, you have the team that's actually building the thing, and then you have the community. And in like traditional sense, in Web2, usually the investors are like the ones who at the end of the day, like they kind of have quite a lot of power, like no, no, like doesn't matter if like, you know, the governance and all this type of stuff and like your documents are fine. Like, no, they're the ones who have the money at the end of the day. So I would almost prefer to have the community have a say. Um, But in terms of like how that's going to look like in the future, I don't know. Like I did see it with like ENS and all this type of stuff. We've seen it act positively, but I think like, you know, let's see. But actually there's Michael here. I think it's Michael. Yep, that's me. Hand up. Hey, yeah, sorry, yeah, I've been I, yabbing. No, 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 no. I love everything everybody's saying. It's 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 just hard because I just want to talk because every this is my passion as well. And the first thing that I noticed is that everybody has a different perspective, right? Because we all come from, you know, what we're working on and how Web3 fits into that. And, you know, you guys are talking about DAOs. And I spent a lot of time working with publicly traded corporations to startups, trying to help them build out their blockchain strategy. And it's just, you know, it's a huge, various perspective. Um, And I always try to come down to the building blocks. Like the awesome part about this is that we're only limited by our imagination, whether we like the idea of DAOs running everything or we want a centralized force like we get to invent it, right? Like that's, that's the great part of Web3 is that we don't just have to say, hey, this is the way it was done. This is the way we can do it uh, in the future. So like, I always believe in a path from like, it needs to be centralized initially because like you're talking about, Nigel was saying it's laughable to have leadership decentralized, but then, you know, for everything to play out, you need a path to decentralization. So a lot of times I think it's about just plotting a course as much as it is, about knowing the answer for tomorrow. Um, And the last thing I want to add was about recruiting, which is that I think there's a lot of different strategies. And my favorite one is kind of money ball from like baseball is like, I I like, I want to develop talent. And my favorite Mm -hmm. thing is like to find somebody who's young and hungry or it doesn't have to be young, but just like curious. I love the curiosity and like, they don't know it. I don't care. Let's teach them. And, um, Mm -hmm. You know, but that's that's a different perspective. So that's that's my drink from the fire hose. So I hope hope that helps. Love it. I think I don't I'm know if people realize you. my entire Google Play Games team was built like Moneyball Factor. Like I basically took young and hungry talent and like groomed them, and now they're all directors on like their assistant. <laughs> wow. That was kind of like my like thing was initial Google Play Games team was like literally like a lot of up and coming talent. <laughs> it's so <laughs> so. But yeah, that's the window. I mean, for me, that's the way. I, like, it just nothing gets me as as excited as being around somebody who just wants to learn. And we, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, we, we all have different approaches. But like, uh, oh, the things that I've been working on, nobody's ever done before. So how you know how do you find somebody to do something that's never been done before? So you need somebody who wants to find the pivots inside of what you're doing to make it work. And that's those are the type of people that help me at least yeah like I think in my hiring process right now what has been super interesting I think there's like two things that I've found the first one is that you know it's so much better to find somebody coming through the discord who's just generally curious who just wants to know and just wants to help and they don't really care about 
the money at the beginning. They're just like, oh, this is a cool thing that I'd like to solve. And more often than not, those people are like the young up and coming people um, that are just generally interested and they have a lot of time. So they're like time rich, right? They're not going to be these people who are like probably in their like late 20s and 30s where, you know, they have more like responsibilities and all this type of stuff. They're kind of people that are in high school. And um, what was really interesting was when I was like building Pulsar, like I remember somebody was in my DMs like a week before I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like this is what I'm going to do. And I went back to him and was like, hey, I need a like a design for this thing like right now. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So he did it in like almost 24 hours for me to be able to send it to investors. And I hopped on a call with him to go through it. And I was like, this guy is looking young. I was like, this guy's looking really young. And I was like, fuck, like how old is this guy? And we started to work more and more together. We started to grow the team more. Um, and then it like came out that he was like still in high school and graduating this year. And I was like, holy shit, like this person, like this is the future. Like there are literally people who are still in high school that are going to be the future users of like MetaMask, all these wallets. And they're the ones who are super curious. So what I found in the hiring process so far is that I would prefer somebody who's like young, curious and hungry um, and who's like almost born into like Web3 um, as it's developing, then maybe somebody who is like, you know, being, oh, Web3 is kind of interesting. Um, but they kind of have like all of that old training from like Web2 world, which just still trying to shed from here and there. And then the second rule that I kind of found really interesting. So the first one was, you know, always hire people through the community. Um, and the second thing was like, it's a hangover from Web2, which is hire slow and fire fast. That is one thing that I think should always stick no matter like what web variation it is, because like the negative impact of people joining, you know, your project who are just not the right people is just way too high. Um, and it just sucks the life out of everybody. So, yeah, it's pretty in insane. Hey, let me jump in here really quick, because I know we also want to talk about just for people that are in the room looking to figure out how to find their find that gig right what are some of the avenues mm. that they, they can get more exposure so we, i want to make sure we hit on that but we also have a number of, of folks that have questions too so i want to run through um code do you have a, a quick response to that um well i actually i mean i think my past three roles i mean obviously skipping my entrepreneurial stuff but like i think i've made all those roles like even my google role i made and then like, like like leading gaming initiatives i think even like after that made the role right and so because when it comes down to it, especially in early stage startups, like, I mean, it's like, there's no such thing as defined role or function, right? Like, they're looking for people who will, like, literally get shit done. I mean, excuse my language, but, like, it's kind of like, I mean, you have to, like, you know, make impact. And you got to make impact quickly. So in a very short period of time. So um, I think in a lot of those cases, even at larger companies, right, I was usually among the first or like among a small set, like a mini SWAT team to go figure out how to work with the gaming industry. What is that narrative like? I mean, there's like no such thing as like a gaming like strategy group within Google at all, right? Like they had no idea the gaming industry was using all this like tools, right? <laughs> and no one was talking to them. So like, it's kind of like interesting how like my career has been, especially like, you know, joining organizations has been mostly defined by understanding what I'm really good at and what gets me excited. And then like talking to as many people in your network, thus the importance of building out your network in order to find like, and make the role that would, you know, how can you bring value to that potential team or like that organization, but in return, how to help 
you know, these teams to find actually like this may be a good fit or this is exactly what we're looking for. Well, oftentimes teams don't know who they even want to hire too. Yeah. And I would like to, I would like to add to this just to, to highlight, um, the first step, like if you're really new, not just to Web3, but maybe your career in general, we've been talking about high schoolers and, and college folks, it's worth highlighting and building on Coast point that the first step is being willing to talk to people and to put yourself out there. And, and that's going to sound obvious to some of us here who have been in our careers for a decade, two decades, three decades. But I remember when I was trying to get into game dev, um, it was pre-Zynga days, and console and PC MMOs was still the thing. And I really wanted to be in that space, but it was really hard to be a game dev back then. Now, you know, Co was just talking about like, <laughs> now, now people seek out the game devs and the game devs are cool. But back then it was like, they were cool, but it was hard to be one. And and I spent two years straight on the calendar going and forcing myself as a deep, deep 99% Myers-Briggs introvert to go to every game dev networking event in Atlanta for two years specifically to go talk to the guys at CCP Games White Wolf because I wanted to work on EVE Online. You know, I got I got opportunities at EA to work on Warhammer Online. I got all this other stuff. But that's what I wanted to do. And, and man, I hated talking to people. And that's not going to be true for everybody here. But, but I, I think I would just emphasize that the networking piece starts with being willing to put yourself out there um, I really liked Nigel's statement earlier that, that engineers are often better if they're not on Twitter. I feel that way very strongly, and I don't like the fact that I'm on Twitter, but now I'm not an engineer, I'm a CTO. So as somebody else put, I think Nigel might have even said, like it's, it's now part of my job too to go out and network so that I can hire well. Um, and, and that was the first time I learned that was before even being a CTO, but just like, like the first step to establishing your network, the first step to getting these opportunities that Co was talking about where it's like, make your role the first step is to put yourself out there and and that's like really scary for some folks not for everybody but for some folks here it's really scary and i'm just telling you like you've got to do it it's like for for you it's absolutely terrifying but like so what does that mean put yourself out there it means literally like and i guess now we're in covid 2022 so it's a little different now for for me (laughs) 10 10 12 years ago it meant walking up and shaking people's hands and like having a conversation with them about uh, what they were interested in and, and figuring out what that was, which again, if you're not an extrovert, it can be hard to figure out what somebody else is interested in, but like, that's what you got to do. Um, nowadays, I think it's, it's speaking up in the discord. It's, um, it's following somebody on Twitter and then actually following up with the DM, but not just like spamming them as a couple folks have noted here, we get a lot of spam, but like having something insightful that you think about and say, um, I mentioned earlier that my mantra show don't tell. So it's like, going and spending the time to put together a GitHub. You know, the final part of that two years I talked about with CCP, um, I went and took their their like five-hour coding test, and I spent so much time preparing for it. I, I scored, I, they, told, they told me that the reason, the only reason they took me as an intern was because I had the highest score of anyone that ever took the test, including full-time engineers. But like, they didn't want interns. But when I did that, then I earned my way in. But I could always do that part because I had the benefit of the engineering side. It was the networking side for me that was the bigger accomplishment. That like I got them to let me take the test was a bigger deal than that I did well on it. And so putting yourself out there looks different depending on your role. Like I'm speaking from an engineering perspective. You know, there's biz dev, there's community, there's art, there's marketing. It looks different for everybody. But I just know that this isn't for everybody, but for the people that are out there that are afraid to just take that first step, like that's what you got to do and then take the next step because you're going to fail sometimes. But like, that's, that's, what's really important. 
You know, one thing I want to quickly add, and I want to get to pay. I know he's been waiting with the question here for a while. Is you know, it, it, life is about sales too. It's about selling yourself, right? Showing your passion, passion, telling people about what you are, what you believe in, what you can do. You know, don't be afraid of the word salesman or saleswoman. You know, that's what you do all day, every day throughout life. You sell friends on friendships. You sell people on certain things. You know, you need to be out there and, and you know, kind of cultivate that elevator uh, pitch, <laughs> pitch and, and be ready to engage uh, when the opportunity arises. The other piece of this with being a salesperson that's what I, I pretty much do for a living, um, is you need to be consistent, right? And persistent and continue to knock on those doors and don't give up. Don't expect one DM to Kojo to have, uh, with, with some insightful stuff that he's going to respond and boom, you're off to the races. You may need to hit Kojo three or four times over several weeks to get his attention. Um, so that persistency piece is, is, is a huge piece to being successful when it comes to you know, kind of putting yourself out there and showing value and, and building that network. Um, and I think a big part of that is like responding with like, actually, I mean, people call it spreading the alpha, right? Or at least like usable content. But I legitimately read through responses. And I notice like when people are writing thoughtful responses. So um, I mean, that's probably my the biggest way you can probably get my attention. So like, is like, if I can consistently see, oh, like, this person is actually taking the time to like, you know, reflect and then, you know, offering a pretty thoughtful response like I noticed that so and I think like um and that's like I mean it's a lot easier to put yourself out there on Twitter versus like in person right so um, yeah there's only an early I've told people joining early stage startups there's there's only two jobs in early stage startups there's engineering and there's sales and if you're not an engineer you're in sales um <laughs> you know it, it, it really if you don't have if you don't have the engineering jobs you have to hustle there really is no other role for you um, I wanted to like also piggyback on the putting yourself out there thing and it ties into also when we say that we want to hire people that we want to work with. Um, I think another really, really crucial thing um, for me when I was meeting people and also for me myself when I was trying to uh, kind of put my project out there was going into Twitter spaces, like going into Twitter spaces and even just making friends, just hanging out, talking, like you pretty much are selling yourself as, as a person, as a founder, as a, um, as an engineer, as a deaf or artist, you know, whatever. Um, when, when you do that and people kind of get to know you on a personal level, whether you're discussing, um, really, really productive stuff, uh, stuff about the Web3 space building, or you just like pretty much, you know, talking shit, um, with each other. I think that level of like a, a personal connection is so important in this space because when I come to think of it, uh, when I'm doing recruiting or even just signing up to anything, I, I think I filled out maybe like two forms maximum. Everything is so personal. When, when I'm talking to marketplaces, other projects, everything, all the deals, even like the huge ones are done just by we're chatting with, with each other on like on discord or on Twitter, or on telegram or whatever. So I feel like uh, the, the the bringing out you as a person, as a builder, as a founder, anything is so, so important. So, yeah, Twitter Spaces, I think it's one of the best platforms for doing that. Yeah, hey, really quickly. It's... Sorry, Melty, you finished your comment. Sorry, I thought you were done. Okay. I'm, um, I'm good. Didn't mean to cut you off. My apologies. Uh, Pay and hire. I know you've been DMing me questions and you've got some thoughts. I don't know if you've got a, a comment or a question at this point, but do want to give you the mic. You've been patient. 
Thank you, and I appreciate the space. I, uh, I've been recruiting since I was 15 years old. I hated school, so I love recruiting. Uh, I remember working with huge companies at 16 if they only knew my age. <laughs> but, um, but I have to say this is a fantastic space. Everyone's advice um, is right on. It, it really is. It's about networking if you're coming from the actual role, the technology position. If you're an HR and recruiting like me, we're on LinkedIn and Indeed all day, honestly. In addition, we have our CROs and we're constantly networking and building our database, but we're in Indeed and LinkedIn 24-7, obviously Dice, but the social media sites come into a lot of these portals that we're using now automatically through AI and semantics, so we don't have to go to Facebook and Twitter anymore. It kind of feeds stuff in. So it's making our jobs easier. A lot of it feeds in through the, the keywords you put on your profile. So I just want to put that out there too. So put keywords, it's like SEO game. I swear, like we find all of it and then we, we message you. <laughs> so, you know, it will help. It, uh, everyone loves you when you do that. So if you're trying to get hired, please put content all over your profiles on all your social media, then we'll find you. Um, but in the Web3 game, I had an idea and um, it was really nice that Moon Roving, I don't know your actual name. I'm so sorry, but you put me up here or you allowed me to come up here because I was giving you some ideas around what I think Web3 is in the gig economy. Um, and I just wanted to put an idea out there. And you guys, I'd love, you know, put it as a discussion or what have you. But I think there's a way to unlock the potential of the gig economy. I think that the NFT gives everyone the ability to create their own currencies. The artwork could be their packaging, let's just say. And, and when you're giving services, sell your NFT, your market. I mean, it will build volume on the rankings automatically. But let's say your carpet cleaning service and you're doing 5,000 different jobs a month all across Illinois. I'm, you know, in Illinois, I'm just using that as an example. But, you know, uh, you'll automatically have 5,000 in volume. Everything will have a Calendly link built in secretly, you know, under hidden content. But, you know, in the gig economy, one-on-one, -on -one, creative designers, graphic designers, maybe you thought your NFT project failed, but that becomes your currency and offer your services in the gig economy. People have to be a little bit more open-minded, but there's a lot of opportunity and it's really exciting. So I just wanted to throw it out there that there's a lot of talent in this NFT community. The talent is the NFT community. Web 3.0 is the talent community. We just have to kind of flip our minds a little bit and realize the potential here too. And everyone's really going to be able to take themselves out of the pay gap pretty soon. That's all. I'll come down as a listener. I mean, I'll go down as a listener now. Pay, thanks for your thoughts, brother. Cryptic, any, uh, you have a comment or question, brother? Yeah. Um, just a question. Sorry for jumping in late. Just found out I'm going to be an uncle. Super excited. Um, so I'm, Congrats, I'm man. making, dude, thank you. I'm making a career change in the next year to year and a half, depending on how things go. Um, and since I've aped into so many JPEGs, it looks like web three might be where that's going to be at. How, like, if you had to like explain to me, like I'm five years old, how do I get into web three? Right. Cause like I played around with art, I played around with candy machine and played around with whatever like how how do i as a dude who's just listening in on this thing in the hopes of finding a future career since i have a year to a year and a half to work on it like where do i start to learn how i get a career field in web3 because like i think that's going to be the way going forward yeah i mean i'm like i think a lot of people here that are builders um have their own concepts or like pipeline on how it starts but i think for you it's really about understanding where your talents lie 
and how you want to change your life from web two to web three and how those skills in web two are applicable. So it really depends. Like if I was somebody that was looking for a position in web three, I would go, these are my skills and these are the projects that I'm naturally leaning towards. Then I would try to find examples of where I think those projects could be better and try to fill that vacuum myself. Because I think it was like Kojo, somebody on the panel just said that, you know, show, don't tell. And I think the best way is for you to find these opportunities where it's lacking or showing where, you know, maybe that project has missed something that only you can see. And all of a sudden you become this like incredible asset to the team. And it's even better because you're almost working alongside them. And I think it works even better for you to actually do like some slow work for people and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing, because it also allows you to understand if it's a culture fit or not. Like a lot of the times what we're seeing is that people are doing this like upfront work for a lot of these projects. And then they're working like, you know, a couple of days or weeks or, you know, maybe a year into it. And they realize it's just a really bad cultural fit. So that's kind of my way is that I would go, okay, what are my skills? What are the issues that I would like to improve? And are these people that I want to work with long-term? And that's the direction that I would take. And cryptic, the other thing I would just mention is, you know, I, I know you're, I think you're a Marine, right? So, you know, coming from the military, you know, when, when we, you know, I work for a Fortune 100 company um, and that's, you know, we look for people like you, uh, you know, folks that just know hard work, are very organized and know how to get things done. So, you know, if you're driven, like I know you are and you put your mind to it, I mean, you'll be a, a total asset to whoever ends up picking you up over the next, you know, I guess what year, year and a half. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I'd like to add, like, yeah, I think like some of my best hires had military experience, even at Google play. (laughs) Like it was kind of like a running joke to some extent because like people with military experience tend to understand complexity. They can do things. They're very well organized and they just know how to build systems. It's like so refreshing and they know how to communicate. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like, something that being in the military like just is like such a great training ground to handle complex complex systems and that's really what you're doing in web3 is you're building complex systems right and that's just across the board whether it's like you know developing you know engineering or even to some extent community building marketing and like even just on the operations front so hey audrey you got a question for us actually i just wanted to piggyback on what pay was saying about the gig economy and using your NFTs as currency, as I'm currently working with Team Wumbo, and that's exactly what we're doing, except we're enabling people to create social tokens. So everyone can have their own personal token, take art commissions, or do dev work, take feature bounties. And to me, I think that's really the future of the gig economy in Web3, is enabling creators or workers to control their monetization. I do think there's a danger to the gig economy. I'm going to have to kind of say it because it yeah. has to be said. Um, I mean, as I said, I think there's a big difference between builders and people doing it as side projects. And like, and I think like the biggest, I think the most interesting experiences that are going to be built are going to be people who, you know, treat it as I'm building something everlasting versus I'm doing a bunch of side projects at the same time. So, cause I think there's just something to be said about being able to focus on something and not being said, I'm not saying like dedicate hundred percent of your life to your work. Right. Because then that'd be kind of awful. Right. So, but 
I think just like understanding like where your strengths are and then like being very selective about how you spend that time and like on building, I think is really important. So as much as I like, like the idea of true individual sovereignty, I think a lot of it is about like, well, really being thoughtful about what you're not only passionate about, but what your skills are and what you're really good at. Because I think that was my biggest learning from being an own, my own on solo entrepreneur for so long and advising a lot of companies is that I never was able to dig really deep and really truly understand like nuances of any of the businesses that I was actually running, whether I was limited by time or just like, or helping a lot of these companies. There is a difference when you're building something, right? And I, I think it's, I think it's, whether or not you use NFTs or not, I think I think people should do a lot more self-reflection on like, what is it that you're really good at? Or at least like, whether it's soft skills and what are the things that you want to learn and where do you want to spend that for like, I mean, even in crypto years, three years is kind of like an eternity to some extent. But I think it's just like really understanding what like drives you, right? And then being very selective and picky about how you spend that time, right? Because you're going to see the most return if you dedicate maybe 70, 80% of your time really focusing on getting one thing done really well. And I think a lot of people dismiss that, so. Hey, going back to Cryptic's question really quick, because I know um, we hit on it, but I think that's a pretty critical piece for folks that aren't really in Web3 but want to get into it. You know, are there courses they should be thinking about taking or like how do you sharpen your skills? What are some avenues for upskilling? In Kojo, you know, I brought this topic up, I think when we had you on the Lit Late Show uh, the other day, um, and I think one of your team members was like, oh, Kojo loves talking about just like upskilling and looking, maybe, maybe not, but that's what I remember. You know, what are some really good avenues that people can kind of consider to expand their horizons into this space if, you know, they're not really, they don't have the, the, the history and the experience, but want to kind of go full bore? Yeah, um, I am very passionate about this. And I think it ties into, I think, I think it sounds like a lot of the panel is very passionate about this. It is, you know, everybody's been hitting on drive, um, passion, um, this this um, builder, not hacker ethos. So, so I don't think I'm the only one here. But for me, I think the things you can do, concrete things you can do, because for me to tell you to like work harder, not smarter, is not very helpful. Um, I would say um, follow communities, not just Web3 communities, but like Y Combinator Hacker News. I know Y Combinator is kind of a contentious subject right now, but I really think Hacker News is a great community. And I know we want builders, not hackers, but I don't think Hacker News necessarily uh, ho hopefully you get those who already follow it will, will understand where i'm going with this there's a lot of good material there it helps to train your brain to, to be in this right way because the next thing i'm going to say is like follow the people in the arena um i don't know if you've ever read the teddy roosevelt uh, man in the arena speech but i think it's another thing that's come up as kind of a, a motif here is like and that's a builder not hacker thing is to get in the muck and and to stay in the muck that's really what this person in the arena thing is about is is to stick it out and deal with the criticism um the bear market that co mentioned like you stick around because you're in the arena for the long haul um so follow those people see how they're talking about it um and and then the la the next thing is click through all their links so like if you clicked through the links from the people that i would consider to be in the arena in the solana ecosystem if you click through all those links in the last week you would have landed on for example soteria you would have landed on anchor you would have landed on radium you would have landed on Bonfida, you would have landed on Mingo, and you would have landed on a dozen other things. And all of those are things in the Solana ecosystem that you will eventually want to know about, you will eventually need to know about, and at least be passing familiar with if you aren't already, if you want to be like truly, deeply 
fluent in the space. And I'm not just saying that for engineers. I'm saying like, you want to be able to talk about these things. You want to be able to converse about these things and, and understand what's going on. So, so follow those people, follow Hacker News and, and click through, get curious, and then, and then just read about it. And, and, you know, the tools and the technologies that I just listed, and, and in general, the tools and technologies are more important memorizing every single NFT collection on SolScan's top 25 today. So like the temptation is to like follow the news and, and the headline, but I think what's really more important is to follow the technologies and and the, the tools and what's being built to build on Co's point about builders, not hackers. Like, like don't follow today's mimetic headline, follow what's actually getting built for the long haul. And I think that's really going to serve people well. That's not like a, a three-step process to get hired or whatever, but I think that will serve everybody, you know, engineer, salesperson, as Nigel broke it down in those two categories, or, you know, wh whatever you are, I think that'll serve you well. I mean, I think one that's a good thing. point about following yeah. builders as well. Go ahead, Nigel. Sorry. Yeah, well, one other thing I'd point out is um, every, nearly every project that I know and every company in Web3 is looking for two roles. One engineers, and the other is community managers. Um, the good news about community managers is that is a skill set that every DAO is looking for somebody to help at an entry level. Um, and so if you're not an engineer, there's a very clear path. And, you know, I, we've been interviewing community managers who are incredibly well-paid lawyers in their day job. And some of them are actually leaving that because they're bored and they want to do something fun. Um, so there's a very clear path in. It does involve a lot of work, uh, but it's a very, very clear path. And, you don't need any particular qualifications to to go in that path. One other thing, um, I, I know you're about to talk, Moon, but I have to. I actually have to go in two minutes. Um, so one thing about upskilling that I feel is like maybe common knowledge for all of us, but maybe not common knowledge for like listeners, is that Twitter is an absolute gem for finding and, and learning about just about anything. You can become an expert in just about anything. And, and mind you, there's no experts right now. There's no DAO experts. There's no tokenomics experts. But there's a ton of people that are curious, that are writing about it, that have substacks about, you know, any topic in Web3 that you could possibly be interested in and curious in. There is a group for you somewhere um, Nigel was talking about the demand for engineers and for um, community managers. There's uh, Discord groups for community managers that, uh, specifically for Web3, that give and share tools. Um, I, I can't think of the name right now, but it's something you'll find on Twitter. Um, and for engineers, you know, like there's a lot of things that people will tweet, job opportunities you'll see it through like Twitter by following, like everyone's been saying, following builders. I don't think that point can be stressed enough, like how much of a resource Twitter is. I think maybe all of the work that I've done, a lot, 90% of the work that I've done in the space has been like something I've seen on Twitter. Someone reached out to me on Twitter. I found it on Twitter or they found me on Twitter. Like this space is, this is it. You know, these conversations are it. So, um, so yeah, as far as upscaling goes, it's just a matter of like being able to discriminate, uh, finding good people to follow and looking at what they tweet, looking at what they like. Sometimes 
I like things that I, I, I just don't tweet, but I, I like a lot of papers that I want to read for later. Um, so that's a little trick right there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Twitter's Twitter's a great tool. And on that note, I do have to go. It's really late here and I'm trying to start waking up early, 5 a.m. morning. So <laughs> good night, guys. Aww. It was a great space. Thanks, Tim. Great seeing you. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Thank good you for morning. having me. Bye, Melty. Bye, everyone. We'll do it again. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, Candyman, you had a, a comment or question? Thanks for your patience. Yes, I do. Uh, before I start, I just got to echo my support for Hacker News. Love Hacker News. Um, someone had mentioned before that, uh, you know, they prefer to hire, uh, you know, perhaps like people with less experience in Web 2 because they have to like kind of unlearn some of the things that they learned in Web 2. I'm curious about that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a developer, so I'm, I'm curious about specifically, you know, things, things that, about uh, what engineers kind of are blind to when going from Web 2 to Web 3. But I'm sure there are, there are, you know, points that apply to other kinds of roles, too. So I'm curious if we could expand on that a bit, some kinds of like yeah. blind spots. Yeah, that's really interesting. So like, um, I, I had mentioned that comment about like unlearning, but I think Kojo as an engineer will be able to speak more specifically about certain blind spots. But one thing I would like to add to that is that there's a certain philosophy that's different from web two to web three. And the way that I can describe that philosophy is the idea of digital ownership. So we're coming into this stage of, okay, you know, when somebody is posting something, do they actually own this yes or no? And what's happening in the space is that we're getting a lot of projects out there that have the, you know, the copy and the branding of Web 2, sorry, of Web 3, but they still in the structural level on the tech side and also on the organizational side, Web 3, sorry, is Web 2. So one example of that is that if you go to maybe some of the platforms out there that are showing these NFTs and they're very much like, oh, you know, we're a Web 3 project. Um, if you look at their technical infrastructure, it's all being stored under, you know, AWS, all this type of stuff. When you have like amazing, you know, third party services out there that are more Web3, like Morales, for example. So I think it's more of a philosophy of going, OK, how can we rebuild the technical infrastructure so that, you know, besides from the social side of people owning these NFTs and having these community networks and all this type of stuff, do they actually own what they have? Um, and are we kind of building the technical infrastructure towards that philosophy rather than kind of the web two philosophy. But I think Kojo will probably add more in terms of the technical blind spots there, but that's kind of what I've found so far talking to our engineers and the way that we're approaching how to build for web three in the engineering space. Yeah, that's great. I, I've actually seen a lot of quite a lot of critiques uh, actually on hacker news of web three. Uh, there's a lot of disgruntled people. <laughs> yes. about, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of disgruntled I mean, engineers out there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not technically an engineer, but I work with, I mean, like, I mean, the team that we're working with is kind of like top tier in like many respects. And like, I think it's, I think it's less so about like, we don't want to hire web two engineers or go younger because of unlearning. I just think it's more so of like, it just really comes down to like for everyone, like what is their capacity and willingness to learn or to be open to like, new ideas because I do think like especially if you're an engineer trying to build infrastructure and things at scale like your biggest blind spot is and then oftentimes this is what I see with younger engineers even younger PMs versus like I think those that have a little bit more experience I think there's something to be said about over engineering something <laughs> so um, 
and not wanting to go down that route or kind of being like, hey, I want to test new things, like new technology or new like SDKs because I think it'll be interesting, but they just haven't been battle tested yet, right? Especially when you run in, when you start scaling to millions or if not hundreds of millions or billions of concurrence. So I think there's a lot of value. And this is like my point about like how we need to like think about why web two developers aren't going into web three is that I think there's something to be said about like, you know, not a lot, you know, like there's definitely some scaling issues because I think there's a lot of people building on web three, but they're just building on limitations. Right. And they're being, you know, they're creative. They have very creative solutions for building what they're limited by. But I think there's something to be said about like, you know, kind of, you know, I don't think we should knock against experience. I think it's more about like understanding like what it takes to for like people to build on that scale. And that experience only has come from, I think on the most cases, web two so far, right? Even if, especially if you think about assets. So I don't know, Kojo, if you want to comment on that, but I mean, that's kind of like, I'm always wary of like, I don't know. I mean, even like our, even our engineers kind of laugh about junior hackers a lot. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. No, I, I think, I think Co nailed it a hundred percent. I would, I would 10 X everything she said. And, and I think I would push back only slightly on the one thing you said, Maxine, which I think is in line with what Co was saying too, which is like, you know, we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I think that's what Co's saying with what she's learned from her engineers talking about um, over engineering, you know, that, that we, we get too focused on perfection. I think there's another adage here, you know, is the, the old adage about um, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. If you're wondering, if you've ever wondered what exactly an example is of, of being doomed to repeat history, uh, I return you to my Twitter fail whale reference earlier, and then I show you all of the scaling issues that even Solana, a network built from first principles to scale, is still struggling with. And, and I think Solana is going to get there. We're really excited to build on it. But it's just to show, I, I think, that that point is spot on. And, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about we need to evolve the ecosystem to be attractive to Web2 candidates. I, I feel very strongly that we do not want to be exclusive of Web2 candidates. But I also think both Maxine's comment and Co's comments on this were, were very uh, appropriate, which is that they've got to be Web2 folks who are open-minded. That is key. And, and open-minded, that's a sword that cuts both ways. So it's like, I'm open to using, you know, I'll actually... I don't want to, I hope this doesn't come across as picking on, but I will just mention, you know, Maxine mentioned AWS. And I think this comes back to like my comment on DAOs. Sometimes decentralized is good. Sometimes centralized is good. And it depends on your use case. I would also say for NFTs even, like sometimes AWS and a classical CDN, like we're using a classical CDN for block stars and we're doing it for a specific reason. And that's, you know, be open-minded, come from first principles. In our case, you can evolve your block stars off-chain metadata so it's going to be updating dynamically constantly. So it doesn't make sense for us to be constantly going and paying to update an IPFS asset. But in other cases, it's static and it does. So, so have people who are open-minded, whether they're Web 2, Web 3, you know, evaluate from first principles and decide what the best way to go is. That, I think, is the way. And I think that is the builder ethos. Um, at least my interpretation of the builder ethos is <laughs> let's not just quick hack something in, but let's think about what is the right solution and and what is the right approach and and that applies both to the engineering that that the code that's being written but it also applies to the culture and i, and I think that's been another theme that everybody here has spoken to tonight is is like what is the proper first principles way to build for the long term
And I know got uh, really good comments on that. I know we've been going strong for what a hundred minutes now. So we'll, we'll kind of keep this thing going until the, the panel needs to drop. And if you need to drop, just you know, let us know. Hop in, say goodbye, whatever works for you guys. Uh, we do have three folks that have questions here, so I'll try to get through those. Uh, Metaverse Jack, do you have a comment or question for the panel? Thanks for coming up, brother. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. This is my uh, first time in the space, but you know, it's been extremely uh, informative. Um, I, you know, I had a question from you know, you know, I'm a college student. Um, I'm involved in a lot of projects within, you know, PFP collectible, digital fashion, um, as well as metaverse entertainment. But one thing that I haven't done with my career so far is try to find ways to leverage being a university student um, to, to get more, uh, you know, exposure or work in the Web3 industry. Because um, I know, you know, most ways that people would suggest is doing like an internship, for example, with like Sotheby's or something like that. And I was curious if the panel had any thoughts on college students working in the space. Is there a way that they can leverage um, being in that position uh, other than just like outreach to the universities? Um, I think I always appreciate people legitimately sending me a DM on being like, hey, like, this is like what I like to learn. And, and then also like, this is kind of like what I feel like I can add value. So um, I mean, and as like everyone said, like everyone's looking for a good community manager. And like, I think a lot of that, and I would say less on a manager, but I would say more of a builder, right? Because I think there's a lot of, I mean, I know we're all on Twitter and Discord, but I think there's a lot of other social media channels that haven't been untapped, that are basically untapped right now to grow like TikTok or like um, even to some extent YouTube, right? And so, cause people are trying to learn about this space. And I think building projects, building on those channels are really important, right? And then, you know, and the best people to source that from that understands that is going to be people like yourself, right? Because those are the people that had grown up on social media, right? Whether it's video first, mobile first, or like image first. So um, I think those are, I think a lot of people are going to underestimate the need to have that talent in-house. Because it's also having expense. I mean, A, it's really expensive to hire an agency. And also, those agencies are never going to understand, you know, the nuances and the depthness of your project anyway, right? Just by the nature of how those, you know, agencies are usually set up. So, I mean, I'm looking for a freaking social media person. I was just about to say. Yeah, like, like, it's (laughs) not even funny right now. So, and it's not even posted yet. So. Yeah, Co. Like when I when I was invited to this by um by Moon Roving, I was like, wow, perfect! Like this room's gonna be filled with potential community managers, full stack engineers. So I just have to put my piece right now. If you guys wanna build, you know, the future visual search engine for NFTs, DM me. I'm happy to talk to anybody. I'm gonna. <laughs> I have to put my plug in there. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I'm sure you gotta get a lot. We'll probably have a lot of people checking out the recording too. So. This will live on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm hiring. And even some roles are not even listed yet because I just haven't had the time to write the rec yet. So it's like... I, I've been wondering so. when we would get to the point where we all get to say that we're hiring. We, we are hiring too. Every, yeah. Everyone here is probably hiring. So yes. Uh, I'm, I'm also hiring. Johnny! I'm hiring Johnny Solana. I'm looking yeah, for uh, with some work. I can do 25 push-ups minimum. I'm also a uh, freestyle Twitter space rapper. I actually, yeah. uh, I represent a lot of the thug uh, 
thug uh, bird culture. Here, check me out right here. Like right here, special talent. I'm gonna just preview. All right. And um, yeah. It might be Johnny. You also, you have a you ha also have a Johnny Sonana party. You know, you don't wanna. Oh yeah! Wow, Melty, you're the you're the bomb. dot com. Uh, also do uh -huh. uh, live events. I'm showing. You know, this might be hilarious for some people because of the phrasing, but I'm showing face. I've heard that at a frat party before, and uh, you know, I'm I'm throwing some live, real life after parties for Solana and a lot of the hacker house. Uh, Literally the after party of the hacker houses. I've done that in Chicago. I did that in Miami, and I've done that in LA. So well, far, Johnny, three of three. It's not your party. You're just oh, very well. Well, over somebody else's party. You know, I'm like coming together, bringing the good vibes. You know, and everybody's enjoying a good time, especially after we've gone through some bad times over the past couple of years. That is true. You got to go to Southwest, uh, then, Johnny. You gotta, what? <laughs> you gotta meet me at the uh, mini bar, man. Meet me at the mini bar. We gotta do that context, though. <laughs> oh, matter of fact, I actually even met uh, I met Raj at the, at the at the mini wow. bar in uh Los Angeles last weekend. At so the mini bar. it's you know things are happening out here for meet sure. Me at the mini bar. Um, uh, well, everybody's hiring for community, but um, I just want to say that I also I'm hiring, but not for community. I'm looking for more devs. Um, rust devs so thanks guys thanks Johnny as well you are also hired probably well I want to just highlight this one role because I think it's great for like I think even younger um, is that I mean if you're technically minded and you love like talking to other developers on a discord and all that and helping them solve problems we are hiring our developer relations team. And I would think of that as more of like a technical counterpart to a VD team. So like, if you love seeing, and I think this is a great way to look at early projects because usually we work with early projects. And so um, definitely looking to add like for that. So if, especially if you have a developer engineering background, but you love talking to other developers and that's kind of like where your element is and love hacking on things, that's definitely something that we're specific, I'm specifically looking for, and I think is a very important hire. And I think that's like almost like a great fit for those even just starting out. Like if you're already kind of hacking or been involved at like different NFT projects or even like smart contracts and love seeing that, like I think that's something I'd love to talk to you about if that's of interest. So that sounds really interesting. Um, can we all just apply for each other's positions? <laughs> I love it. Yes. I need we'll to start myself at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. That can definitely. we just. <laughs> we'll we're all just going to form one mega super DAO and we're all just um, going to put everybody's stuff together. <laughs> I yeah, to... I'm really looking for uh, devs that can work with a gaming product. Not not so much a game dev, but like a, obviously a smart contract dev, but um, it is a play and earn gaming product. So if anybody's here, please DM me. Um, you'll be working with our head dev. Um, very exciting. So thanks, thanks for letting me I plug. Think, uh, Sorry, I think Hashman Soul had his hand raised for a long time. Maybe like <laughs> oh. give him a chance to speak. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ask question. Kind of. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> My question is, hello. hello. Can you? Oh, there's like a slight delay there. There you go. Uh -huh. Yeah. So my question is like, I was listening to the whole thing and I loved it and. 
I kind of like like the idea about either you are an engineer or sales. Um, so Wait, hold on, are you in the bath right now? Yeah, I'm taking a. What is it? <laughs> I it, oh it was God. a long flight here. Like I landed Seattle like a few <laughs> oh hours ago. That is that is the way to live life. I I love it. Wow. You had a question for Nigel. This is a pitch. Jump, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm very like introvert, and I'm not a native English speaker. And I'll be like attending the hacker house at Seattle tomorrow. And I want like uh, advice how to like hang around with like devs. Like I don't know how how to start the punchline. <laughs> Yo, may I chime in right here for this one, my friend? I got I got that experience. So what I did, you know, I had no idea what was gonna happen. And but I I did know one thing is there's gonna be a bunch of nerds, you know. And I also, you know, originally I didn't speak English at first, but what I did know, you know, as a as a twenty twenty plus to mid twenty year old guy, I, I knew if I grab a, a, a couple or like a case or two of beer. And that that'll you know it'll it'll work out for me. So that's exactly what I did. I brought two cases of beer. As soon as I walked in, I see a bunch of nerds coming out, and you know we link up. We I shared that whole case of beer. I I don't even drink alcohol. You know what I mean. And we all shared that beer. Uh, I wasn't drinking, but uh, and then and then uh, and then next thing I know, there's people from all kinds of projects. These also like Eastern European dudes really connected with me, you know what I mean? Then I'm getting invited to like uh, one of those nice pads and stuff like that's like five minutes away from the hacker house. So things like that, you know, you just got to take your best foot forward. And I mean, there's going to be like minded individuals, you know, you're already in crypto and this and that. So like, you know, you could just open up uh, some kind of a conversation, but definitely got to do kind of uh, take that little bit of leap of faith and uh, trust in yourself and just know that, you know, People are there for the same reasons you are. I hope so. Or, you know, unless you're there to, unless you're bringing cases of beer with that yeah. permission. It's almost yeah. like the greatest way to develop anyone's heart is food and drinks. So. Yes, that was, I think, and I think that's the great summary of it is you're, you're describing something everybody as a human needs to center around. So I think food and drink is, is the perfect summary of that. And then you're describing a common interest that you can quickly determine, which is crypto. And then I think the last thing I would add to that and how do you keep it going? Um, and because again, I, I really empathize with anybody who struggles with this because I did uh, for a long time. I still do, but I've I've learned to. I'm, I'm a closet introvert now. Nobody knows that I'm an introvert uh, as much as I used to. But the third thing I would add is, um, so you, you have the human need, then you have the common interest, and then the third thing is, what do I do next? Ask them about what they do. Ask them about what they like. Ask them about them. Like everybody, not everybody likes to talk about themselves. I think that's too reductive, but everybody can talk about themselves. And and then that lets you learn more about them and learning more about them will, will help you figure out where to go from there. So like ask people about them, whether it's like, what do they work on? Or even just like, how did you get here? What brought you here? Like that's the, you know, you start with the human need, then you start with the common interest and then it's like, okay, well now what? Start asking them about them. I also just want to add to that is like not every connection or person you're going to meet is going to make sense like right at that very moment there's been times where I've met people and literally seven years later like in the crypto space all of a sudden it made so much sense to work with one another and it was like super successful so I like to kind of approach like my style of meeting people in less about like 
oh, what this person can do for me and try to like hustle my way through. And instead, I just try to gravitate towards people who I think are genuine people and let it kind of slowly emerge over time. And sometimes these connections don't actually like make much sense at the beginning, but just being able to talk to every single person because you never know, like this space develops so quickly. Um, you know, all of a sudden somebody can have an idea and they're like, oh my God, I really need somebody who's a community manager or I need somebody who's an engineer and they will think of you. Um, but yeah, I think getting to know people, but also understanding that you don't want to just meet people because you need something. You're meeting people because these are people that you think for later on, you could really kind of benefit from one another. And, and the other thing I would just add is that always think about ways of, of how you can help them down the road, right? Either real, right, real time 100%. in the moment or, um, you know, it, how can you get them from A to B? And another key piece of that is networking. I love networking with folks and just connecting the dots for people. Um, like if you can introduce them to other people that help them and that goes a long way in just building that friendship. And, you know, if you don't love doing that, start to love doing that. That's a, a fun part about life and business is being able to connect people and expect nothing in return. And, and I do that all day, every day. Um, and throughout my life, it's, you know, it, it's been very beneficial for me. And I don't do it because I know it's going to be beneficial, but it, it does end up being very beneficial for you. But it's a ton of fun seeing, uh, you know, what happens when you connect A and C and just the magic that can come from it. Thank you so much, guys. And for those of you who are coming, see you there. Thanks, uh, Hashman. Thanks for hanging in there and uh, the patience. Grateful for you. Um, we got maybe two more questions and then we can do maybe a closeout round uh, from the, the panelists and then we can kind of hop uh, unless any other real important questions pop up. But Mar, you've been waiting a while. Over to you. Then we'll go EPC, Cryptic. I think you got one more question. Uh, and then we can uh, kind of do final rounds, final thoughts on the session. And we can definitely do this again, uh, you know, if the community thinks it's beneficial. So, Mar, over to you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I've been a solo builder for a little bit now. Um, I was just curious if you guys had any recommendations for, like, connecting with other builders or even any communities, like Discords or anything like that, where you can connect with, like, people who are, like, building in public or... Um, just meeting like co-founders or people like that, like like-minded people within the community. Um, I've found all of our developers through um, DeveloperDAO, and I think that's been incredibly successful for us because it's a pretty casual forum where everybody knows each other's skills pretty well, and they start to kind of recommend each other. I don't believe that it's out right at this very moment, but one thing that I think could also work is you said that you're a solo developer. If you even just post your work on um, Twitter and be like, hey, this is what I'm building, you'll be really surprised just how many people would just start kind of like contributing and working alongside you. And I really do think that, you know, if you're not able to find these specific DAOs um, on Discord or anything like that, really utilizing Twitter as a space to showcase your work, it can be big or small, but the more you tweet what you do, the more attention it gets and the more you kind of find these communities um, that I think will really kind of help you out and try to find your space. I actually just messaged you, mar.js, because I saw you're a full stack dev. <laughs> Sorry, I'm actively hiring right now. So um, I'm going to speak to you. I just sent you a message. Let me know if you got it. But that would be my advice to you. Great question, Mar. Thank you uh, for coming up. Sounds great. Thank you. EPC and then we'll go cryptic. EPC Kazo, what's up, bro? Hey, hey, it's it's Kazoo actually, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Kazoo, um, yeah, um, 
it's, it's funny. We were talking a lot about networking and how important it is. It's funny because I ended up at Blockstars because of a relationship I made 20 years ago with our head of development, or, or not head of development, our head of community, Craig. And the, the amazing part to me is my entire career going from being, I was a professional musician in Europe for five years. And all of it is happy accidents on, on completely accidental meetings that could happen over years and years and years. And it's such an amazing thing that we all can come here and be, you know, things that we never thought we could. And I just, I just thought that that was a really cool, like all of you guys to talk about, about, you know, asking people about, uh, about what they, um, you know, who they are and what they do. It, it might not benefit you right now, but like I said, I, I'm here because, because of, uh, I mean, this guy was my boss at Best Buy when I was a child. And it's just, it's a really, it's a really amazing space to recreate yourself. I ended up doing copywriting stuff for, for, for our team and ended up writing stupid little stories on my thing. And one of, one of my own community members said, Hey, my uncle works in publishing. I mean, that's how, how crazy this, this space is. And I, that was really all I wanted to say. And just thanks for uh, all the great advice. So anyway, I'm done. Thank you very much. You know, one key piece of that is don't burn bridges as well. You know, when you have these relationships and, you know, people make mistakes and, you know, you, you have troubles throughout life, obviously, but do everything you can just to kind of lead with positivity and don't burn bridges because you never know when that could impact you in, in a negative way um, or even your children. So, I mean, we've had, I've had situations actually, and it was nothing that uh, my father did, but, you know, he ended up not hiring somebody back like 30 years ago. And then, you know, 30 years later, I'm there interviewing with the same guy and he asked me, oh, do you know, the, you know, so-and-so, are you related? I'm like, oh yeah, it's my father. And he told me the story. Oh, yeah, I interviewed. I'm like, did you get the job? He's like, no. And I was probably the best candidate. Did I get the job? No. Is that the reason why? Who knows? But um, And nothing that my father did wrong, but just, you know, there are bridges that can be burned over time. Just be careful with that because that can come back to bite you. Uh, I think cryptic. people are allowed one burning a bridge in their lifetime, <laughs> I think. Like, you know, I think there is sometimes justification for it, so... I mean, let's just be real. Like, we can't all be saints 100 percent of the time. So, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's never burn a bridge. I think it's just be cognizant of. Um, I, I actually completely agree with Co. But I, I think it's know when you're burning a bridge before you set it on fire, and know why you're doing it. Right? Don't don't realize it after the fact. That's that's probably the important thing in my book. <laughs> the other thing I'll throw out there is, you know, this is more of corporate America, but. Don't get involved in cat fights. So don't be the one that's, that's stirring up trouble and getting in fights because at the end of the day, uh, tomorrow, a week from now, no one remembers who was right, who was wrong in that cat fight. That may have never really mattered. All they know is that you were involved in that situation. So if you can, you know, try to avoid those things that in the end, maybe don't really make much of a sense, uh, much of a difference in the, in the long run. Uh, Cryptic, over to you. You got a, a thought question for us? Yeah, so like I, 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 I'm so sorry. I, I just have to hop off. Um, sorry to interrupt your question, but um, Melty, thank yeah. you so much for hopping in thank with you. us. Grateful for you. Good seeing you again. Best of luck, and she's hiring. So DM her. <laughs> thanks, guys, and thanks to the um, other people on the panel. Nice to meet you, and nice to meet everyone um, in the audience also. Bye. We'll do it again. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cryptic. Yeah, so I, I know we mentioned earlier, kind of the uh, the web two to web three migration. Um, 
I, I look at what you were saying about working for a Fortune 100 company to what I did for a little while. I mean, I was, I was recruiting for the Marine Corps. So I was, I was selling people on themselves as opposed to what the product is. But you look at, you know, you have dev teams that are a tenth of the size of like the HR and marketing departments alone for, for what currently exists in, in Fortune 100, Fortune 500. So but how, I guess my question is, how does that recruiting look like what approach is everyone taking to how they're building that recruiting for what exactly they're looking for when like i can go outside right now and and in 24 hours i could i could probably find someone capable of doing web3 development in a short amount of time given three months of training um how, how does that kind of shift to a much smaller team on a decentralized and slightly slower than than web two network looks like. Cause I, I think that's going to be the big thing for me is I know earlier people answered my question and said, you know, find that skill set that you're good at. My skill set is I can absolutely talk to anyone. You could spark up a conversation about anything and I can give you an answer. That's an 80% solution, almost anything. Um, but how, how does that look going into a web three future where a lot of this stuff is going to be, you know, I, I may never see people's faces. I mean, I look at the speakers right now and out of 11, 12 of us, I think two people are showing their face. Um, how does that look going into a web three world from web two and like, where can recruiting fall into that piece? I mean, I think that's an interesting question because it's almost like, you know, in a world where we potentially may have people that don't dox themselves. So I'm a big believer of people should be doxing themselves. Like no matter what, and if you search my name, you'll find me on the internet. It's definitely there. So I'm not saying like a thing. So, because I think that does, I, I think that, I mean, cause there's something about building trust with doxed individuals and knowing what they've done in the past. Cause they're, I mean, I think reputation takes time, right. To build. And I think like, especially if you're coming into the space and like kind of understanding that, I think like, I mean, the reason why you put yourself out there is that you want more people to n understand what you're capable of doing and then if let's say they hear of an opportunity that could be a match for you, like you want them to forward that. Right. So I think a lot of the kind of networking aspects is important. I don't think that changes. Right. It's just, I think what changes is it's now could be more asynchronous and happen over like social media spaces like this. Right. So, and a lot of that's happening. And I think for some people, they thrive in that, especially for a closet introvert. I always like to say I'm an extroverted introvert. So, um, but I think like, but I think for people that have traditionally thrived in first months, I mean, I don't think the in real life interactions are ever going to go away. I think there's always going to be some value in that. Um, like, especially if we end up like finding if COVID becomes an endemic state, we're definitely going to see a lot of that because there's just some things that only happen when you're meeting in real life. And that's really hard to replace over a Zoom call. So and I actually think for a lot of Web3 projects, they're vastly underestimating how much how much your messaging and narrative really matters. Like I always like to say the best technology may not always win, but good stories rarely lose. And I think there's a lot of projects that are probably great, but could probably use a lot of help in understanding what that, what their pitch should be and really honing in on kind of what, how do they want to make, you know, their customers feel like they have superpowers. Right. So you always want to sell the fire Mario. You don't want to sell the flower, right? So it's like, and I think that's going to be true of any space, right? So, cool. That's what I should start consulting on. That's like my my gift to the world. Is I know. Marketing. That's like I think that's a skill set that people vast. I mean, every project I've talked to, even in the gaming space, vastly underestimate the value of having a very strong narrative that's easy to understand. So. 
All right, guys. I know Nico, you came up um, in your uh, one of the Black Stars guys. Good to see you. I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Uh, good to see you. Dude. Didn't have anything to say. I just wanted to listen. This is a okay. really important panel, so thank you for hosting. Yeah, of course, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, we're two hours in, so we can start to close the uh, the space down. If you just joined, um, you know, this is recorded, so definitely check out the first two hours. There's a lot of good content in there. Um, and you know a lot of perspective shared on you know what's happening Web three today, how are companies, how are projects re- recruiting, what are the tools that they're using, what are they looking for, um, how to present yourself, and then also upskilling uh, and how to network. Uh, we covered a ton in the last two hours from this this great panel. Grateful for everybody that was able to make it. Uh, we had a couple that ended up having to leave, but we are hanging out with Co Kim, Corey Johnson. Uh, Nigel, who had to bounce, uh, Sin Bahadi, she had to leave as well. And then uh, Melty was here er, uh, a little bit earlier as well. Uh, so maybe Ko, Kojo, and Maxine, you've been uh, on the panel here as well, helping out for the last hour plus. Um, maybe closing comments on, on things um, relative to the, the, the topic at hand. And if you've got a job you want to put out there, like you mentioned earlier, one in particular that you really want to uh, find someone for, feel free to, to plug it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like, thank you for everyone for joining. Um, I think like, I'm really excited to be back on the platform tech side after taking a few years off for so long. And so I think for me, like, I feel like a noob totally, even though people think I've been around for, I haven't, I've been around games forever, but I haven't, it's like web three is still like very new. And I think like exciting for me. So like, I think I'm just like looking forward with like collaborating with everyone here, right? And then also sharing a lot of thoughts and feedback. Like we are in like brave new world. And as I said, right, we're really early. We didn't hit Napster phase. We didn't hit any of that yet, right? Like I think, and this is where I think impactful projects and teams are made. So I definitely applaud each and every one of you for taking this step and wanting to like, you know, learn more about the space because yeah like we're all early and i think like you should be living but yeah obviously i'm hiring so and as i said if you don't find a job listing on our site on Mistin labs it's probably because i haven't written the job listing yet so <laughs> don't so like yeah like feel free my dms are always open i always try to respond to everyone as much as i can so thank you yeah thanks, um thanks um yeah thank you so much for having me on this yeah the spaces and just kind of I guess giving me the privilege to talk to everybody here. Like, I just want everybody to know that we are so early and you're at the frontier of change. And one of the things I think could really help navigate people trying to find, you know, their space in this, um, in Web3 is to really think, what would you like to change in Web2 that you're seeing now? Like everybody always needs to have, you know, human connection. We always wanna search for something. Um, there's just some realities of being a human that we only want to improve more and more as we start to grow this technology. So just fundamentally understanding what your why is, is really important to help you navigate through Web3. And in terms of, you know, what we're doing here at Pulsar is that we really believe that, you know, helping people navigate through the Web3 space by being their visual discovery engine will really help us improve the connectability between individuals. And that's what it's really about. Like when we're sitting here in this room talking to one another, if we can even improve this experience by 1%, there's just so much, I think, good that can happen um, in the world. So yeah, I just wanna say thank you. Um, you know, head to my Twitter if you wanna see what we're hiring for and anything like that. But you know, much as Co said, like this environment is moving so quickly 
that you almost need to find your own space because more likely than not, builders like me and Carla and everybody else in this room, we have roles, we just haven't had the time to put them out there. So, you know, know what you're about, know your why, know what you want to improve and just go out there and do it. Maxine, thanks so much for jumping in off the cuff. Appreciate you. Yeah, Kojo. Manco. Um, yeah, you know, um, I think everybody's had really good comments on this. Um, so I think I'll just <laughs> leave it at um, the hiring pitch, which is um, we are hiring like everyone else is. Um, as far as who we're looking for, I think it's this this builder and driven mentality that we've been talking about all evening. But specifically, um, we're looking for a product manager. Uh, we're looking for a UI and UX designer, a, a graphics designer. Um, and then the one I would really, really highlight is we're looking for uh, like an art producer, executive producer type. So if you're somebody who likes art but isn't necessarily an artist, um, you want to help manage our art pipeline. Um, the the Blockstars folks here are wondering <laughs> why I'm still uh, here and not working on getting their, their airdrop to them in the next 48 hours. And I promise that that's where I'm headed next and that's going to happen. But there are more Blockstars to come. Uh, there's a lot more going on in our project, and a, a huge part of that is a producer who can come and help um, organize the art pipeline, organize the schedule for what's coming next. Um, and so, yeah, that that's probably the biggest need we have. Um, and if you are interested in any of those three things I just mentioned, DM me, DM Nico, and we're excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having us here. Awesome. We'll close the uh, the space there. Two hours of pure alpha on hiring recruiting, uh, finding your gig job, upscaling, all that stuff in Web3. So super grateful for the panel uh, that we had today. We'll do this again probably the next uh, quarter or two to come uh, at the right time. And this is recorded. So two hours of some great content that will be available at least on uh, Twitter for the next 30 days. Uh, you know, I host the Lit Late Show a couple nights a week, the Morning Mint Show a couple mornings a week. Uh, I need to get that up on other platforms too so people can find this stuff uh, months down the road instead of just 30 days. So more to come on that. Uh, one housekeeping item, I do have a Morning Mint Show tomorrow. I've got portals on, soul flowers, crypto straps, uh, and pixel drugs all hanging out with us, uh, which is Wednesday, 9, uh, 11 a.m. Central. So that's tomorrow, 11 a.m. And then there's a, a couple other shows later this week. But Without further ado, we'll, we'll close it there, guys. Thanks so much, guys and gals, for, for hanging out. Thanks for the community, all the questions. Uh, really had the, the space vibing. Wasn't quite sure how this would work out. Actually, Co, I thought this is Co's idea, by, by the way, everybody. Co wanted to host this thing, so we pulled it together. Um, so thank you for uh, igniting uh, the space and making it happen. And, um, you know, a, a lot of good awful that came out of it. So grateful for you guys. And just keep building and, um, you know, have a good rest of your night, good week. Uh, stay safe, and, and God bless you guys. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you so much. This is awesome. <laughs> See you guys.
fuck two bitches for I saw you. 